The Lifestylist, episode 175, featuring Carly Stein. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Let's talk about one of my favorite biohacks, and that is red light therapy. Now, to me, the most powerful biohacks are the ones that harness or mimic nature, and that's exactly what red light therapy does. It concentrates a very narrow spectrum of red light that's produced by the sun in the morning and evening. However, you don't need to go out into the sun for hours to get it. You can do it in about 10 minutes in your own home. Now, my favorite red light therapy company is Juve. That's J-O-O-V-V. They're FDA cleared and deliver clinical power with a new modular design that's really easy to customize and set up anywhere in your home. Now, I have the one panel here in my podcast studio, and I haven't had a chance to build on it, but even the one's good enough for me. I just have to turn to the front and the back every morning. And by the way, this is part of my every morning routine when I'm in town. In fact, if you want to learn a lot more about red light therapy, you can go back and listen to episode 169, where I interviewed the guys from Jew, not just about their device, but about photobiomodulation, this therapy, the science behind it, where it comes from, etc. So that's episode 169. Now, I've been using my Juve since 2017, and I've seen two major changes. A huge advantage from recovering from workouts. I'm, I have almost zero soreness in my muscles and my joints when I go like really bust ass in the gym. So the recovery is major. And then a massive testosterone boost. Now, a few years ago when I was in my early 40s, my T levels were really low, like around the 400s. Now I'm in my late 40s and depending on when I check them, I'll be anywhere from 600 to 800. And that's been a game changer for me. So here's what's up. If you want to check out the Juves, you're going to go head over to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke. And what I'm really excited about over there is they've got a new handheld device. It's called the Juve Go, and it gives you all the same Juve power, but it fits in the palm of your hand so you can travel with it. So I'm definitely getting one of these ASAP. So get over to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke. When you check out making a purchase, use the code Luke, and they're going to send you a free gift. Let's take a moment to give a shout out to a health product that's really taking the world by storm, and that is CBD. And specifically, I'm talking about the CBD made by Cured Nutrition. They make CBD-infused products made from Colorado-grown organic hemp. Now, a lot of CBD products are full of chemicals. Not only do they use chemicals to spray hemp, but also in the fertilizer, in the soil, and oftentimes in the hydroponic process, which is super, super swaggy. So if you're going to use a CBD product for health, well, let's not have it full of chemicals. And Cured is doing it super legit. It's 100% organic. And let's face it, back in, in the 80s, I used some hemp products from Colorado myself, but <laughs> for different purposes. But also note that these products are not psychoactive. There's no THC, so no worries about getting faded from using a health product. These guys are pioneers within the fitness industry out to educate health and fitness-minded people about the various benefits of hemp and to make CBD accessible to all. 
And one of the cool things they do is they make a lot of different products with CBD. So they have the oils, which is kind of what some companies do. They just have like, you know, a little dropper full of CBD oil. But these guys make these amazing spices. They make this nut-based cookie dough and just really tasty foods actually that are infused with CBD. So not only can you do the oils, they also have capsules and foods. And I do this just when I kind of want to relax. That's great anti-inflammatory after working out, after any kind of stress, and definitely at night when it comes time to wind down. And it's also great for improving sleep. So I'm super stoked to find Cured Nutrition. If you guys want to check them out, just go to curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. That's curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. However, got a hookup for you. Like always, if you use the code lifestylist at checkout, you will save 10% off. That's curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. And the code is lifestylist. The podcast airwaves are a buzz, folks. We've got a really sweet interview with Carly Stein today, all about bees. Are you one of those people that shriek and run away when a little bee lands on you? You're definitely not alone because I tend to kind of get a little skittish when those things come around me, but you might not need to hate the bees as much as you think or fear them. As it turns out, bees make some incredible foods and medicines. Now, I'm not talking about wasps or yellow jackets. Those are kind of bees jerk cousins, but actual honeybees. Those benevolent little dudes that create propolis, pollen, royal jelly, and of course, honey. Now, I've been using bee products for around 25 years. And up until this interview, I thought I was quite an expert and knew my way around the hive pretty well. But our guest Carly schooled me big time. And my guess is she's probably going to school you too. So let's talk about our guest. Carly Stein is the founder of Beekeepers Naturals. She's a woman on a mission to save the bees and change the face of healthcare. She grew up with a weakened immune system due to an autoimmune condition. She got sick incredibly easy and was left with few options because due to her condition, she could not take antibiotics. Now, while traveling in Italy as an adult, Carly experienced an especially awful bout of tonsillitis. She was so desperate for a solution, she went into a local Italian pharmacist and discovered a bee product called Propolis. And this was the first natural product that actually truly helped her. You know how that is, like... You try to take the natural route and nothing works. Well, it turned out this worked for her. So Carly left her high-powered, high-paying, high-stress corporate job and founded Beekeepers Naturals, a collective of small farms creating completely organic, effective bee products. And so we're going to dive into everything that bees do for not only you and your health, but for the planet. It's a fascinating topic. I've been really wanting to cover this for a long time. So I'm glad I got to sit down with such a badass. She's very knowledgeable, super fun, a great interview. And uh, I'm just excited to share this information with you. Um, Speaking of sharing information with you, I'd love for you to follow me on Instagram because I also share a lot of information there too. So you can go to at Luke Story. And if you were already following me on Instagram, for example, you could have watched the live behind the scenes raw, real deal interview with Carly had you been on there. Because most of the time, little secret here, I actually live stream uh, on Facebook and Instagram most of the interviews I do. Now, they're unedited. The sound's going to be way crappier than this sound here on this fancy microphone. But you get to see kind of the setting up and the breaking down and all the mistakes and all that fun stuff. So definitely follow me on Instagram, at Luke Story. And then I don't think a lot of people realize that this show has been available on Spotify for a long time. Now, I still mostly use the Apple podcast app, but I see that people do a lot of screen grabs and they're using all kinds of different apps to listen to the show. 
So I want to let you know that not only is your music on Spotify, but you can also find the Lifestylist podcast. So uh, that's what's up. Oh, I know I've got something else I have to tell you. Next week's show is going to be super, super dope. It's with Dr. Darshan Shah from uh, a place called Next Health that you've probably heard me talk about a lot because I go there all the time. And we're talking about the cutting edge biohacks of the future. So that's episode 176 next week. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss that show or any show to follow. Super easy. Grab your device, click subscribe. Boom, done. Okay, I've got one upcoming event to plug and that is my appearance at the Neil Strauss Society Intensive December 14th through 16th where I'll be doing a talk or maybe even a couple as well as presenting my biohacking lounge. I'm going to bring all the stuff that I always talk about, the amp coil, the nano V, the vital reaction inhaler, the circadia, all the goods, all the treats, bunch of supplements you guys can try out. Um, I, I love getting people in a room and just like <laughs> playing, I don't know, playing doctors, not the right word in this situation, uh, but um, playing biohacker, let me put it that way. So if you want to come to any of my upcoming events, just go to lukestroy.com forward slash events. All right. So uh, let's see. Here's what we talk about in this here episode. How B. Propolis saved Carly on a trip to Italy. How to care for your immune system, even if you're allergic to antibiotics. The spellbinding meditative effects of beekeeping and some of the risks too. Why we should eat bee puke. I know it sounds gross, but it's actually awesome. Why honey is the only product on the planet that never goes bad. I'm talking never. She's going to go into the history of honey. It's quite fascinating. How to go full beast mode during your workout using bee pollen. And the fact that bee pollen has more protein by weight than any animal source. Why the organic label for honey is meaningless. You're going to get schooled on that one. Real bad news. How to maintain your keto status and still utilize the power of bee products. And then a full breakdown of each bee product that we find in nature. First, we've got honey, which is the carbs. Then we've got the pollen, the protein. And we've got propolis, which is the medicine. And finally, the royal jelly, which is the superfood. Then finally, how to avoid fake-ass trash honey and the benefits of bee sting therapy. Then finally, to wrap up the interview, we talk about the difference between wasp and yellow jackets and um, why they don't make anything that you probably want to take. So sit back, relax, take your sweet time as we learn all there is to know about bees from Carly Stein. Carly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. So this one's been on the books for a while mm-hmm. and we were going to do it in New York. And then I figured out for some reason, I thought you lived there, but you were just traveling. You live in Venice, you're right down the street. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, listening, you are stoked. You're in for a real treat because this is a topic that I have not covered strangely. Uh, but then the topic is uh, bees and bee products and things like that. However, this is a topic and a product that I've been using for, I want to say like probably 30 years I've been using. I mean, at first it was like bee pollen back in the day. There was little Hollywood like um, smoothie bars and stuff mm-hmm. way, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And the one superfood you could add into your like banana and peanut butter smoothie or whatever was bee pollen. That was the big add on. And you were like, whoa, I'm taking bee pollen. So, And you knew about Royal <clears throat> Deli. I remember the first time I met you, I was like prepared to give you a whole 101. And you're like, no, 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 I know this. 
Yeah. I was like, oh. Propolis, <laughs> royal jelly. Well, the thing is, I know of it, but I don't know what it does and why and, yeah. why, you know, how that's what we're going to get into. So mm-hmm. it's a topic that I'm familiar with and a fan of, but I don't actually know that much about the technicalities of it. So mm-hmm. we're about to have a hella good time. Awesome. So as we get started in this uh, conversation here, Carly, how did you stumble across the world of bees and end up going like, yeah, cool, I'm going to make a company around bee products? Yeah, so it's really funny because I never intended to start a company. Like not at all, not around bee products. But I I think like many people had a problem and found my own solution and then wanted to share it. So for me, I'm autoimmune and I cannot take antibiotics. And I just had like, well, I used to have the worst immune system always sick, chronic strep throat, chronic tonsillitis. And I was super reactive. So antibiotics weren't really an option. Most of the typical pharmaceutical courses of intervention weren't an option. And I would search in the natural world and I would find all these amazing things, but I didn't find anything that could really cure me. I found, you know, things that I was excited by, but the the other issue in the natural space is that there's a lot of There's a lot of like heavily marketed products that make bold claims that have a tiny portion of the active ingredient actually in them. So I was in this weird place as a consumer where regular medicine didn't work for me. The natural world was really interesting and I definitely found some improvements there, but I wasn't finding my full solution, Um, but I was always searching. And then when I was in college, I did a semester abroad. I was studying in Sweden, but I was in Italy at the time that I got really sick and I got really bad tonsillitis. My face swelled up. I couldn't breathe. I was going to have to go home and have surgery. And I was not having that. Like I busted my ass waitressing to pay for my exchange. And I really did not want to cut it short for something that's just been like a theme of my life, getting sick at the worst times. So I was just looking for anything. And I went into a pharmacy in Florence and they're so progressive in Europe with their natural health, which is really cool. And the pharmacist took one look at me and she was like, propolis. I was like, okay, what is what is that? Interesting. Um, and she's like, from the bees. And I was like, oh, okay, honey. And she's like, nope, propolis. And so I was like, okay, language barrier maybe, but I'll take it. And I tried propolis for the first time and it worked for me. It wasn't, you know, overnight my tonsillitis was gone. But it basically functioned in my body the way antibiotics do for most people. I made a pretty quick recovery. I think it was about five days, maybe a week. And yeah, I was able to fully recover, which was just an experience I hadn't had before because I really struggled with my immune system. And then as I was, as I continued my travels, I started learning how commonplace these different products were. Things like royal jelly, pollen, propolis, even alternative uses for honey. And I just started going really deep as a consumer. And I continued to use this stuff. Even when I got better, I was taking propolis every day. And I I had a reduction in, in like all kinds of inflammation. My inflammation cleared up. Um, my psoriasis cleared up. I didn't get sick for the rest of my time abroad. But yeah, so I started learning about all these different products, completely not thinking about it as a company, but really excited about finding something that worked. My health changed really radically. Um And yeah, it was just really, it was just like collecting these interesting data points because everywhere I went, people knew what these things were. And it wasn't, I wasn't going to like some weird, cool, natural store. I was finding propolis in corner stores. Oh yeah, that's true. Kind of when you go in like one of those little, I mean, even in a Rite Aid or something like that, they'll have some, you know, probably really swag sort of bee products. But when you go in those, um, I know what you're talking about in Europe, they have those little pharmacies. It's like a little mom and pop Mm -hmm. pharmacy. 
and you'll see more kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Homespun remedies, you know what I mean? Kind of folklore remedies and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like witch hazel mouthwash and just weird stuff, you know, that we don't commonly see as much here. Yeah, it was super cool. So I was using all this stuff. I was feeling better than ever. Finished up my time abroad, went back home to finish up school and midterms rolled around. I got strep throat. And so I needed propolis. And I went to some local health food stores. People didn't really know what I was talking about. So I was just like, okay, I need to get my hands on this stuff. It's the only thing that works for me. So I just went online. I found the local beekeeping association. I emailed their info Where account. Where were you living at the time? I went to school in British Columbia. In, oh, okay. in, I'm from Canada. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I heard in a boot. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It, it will come out more and more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's funny. A uh, guy that just Wade Lightheart just interviewed me for his podcast and he was from Canada too. So I've heard a lot of aboots today. It's a good place. Yeah. That's what I hear. <laughs> I'll also say sorry a lot. Sorry? Yeah. I say oh. sorry. Like somebody can literally ram their body into me and I will apologize. It's <laughs> out of control. That's, really? Is there like a people pleasing um, so epidemic weird. in Canada in the I don't culture? Know, I don't know what it is. Like I'll be walking. I lived in New York for a while before this and I'll be walking down the street and someone can literally body check me and I'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? That's funny <laughs> because uh, I have a friend, James, who is uh, is from the UK. Sometimes I talk shit about my friends on my podcast and I realize they might not like it. I think he's good natured enough, but he's like very, he's from um, uh, Manchester, very, he's Persian Jew, but he's, you know, born and raised British. Man, you, that's my team. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, but he's very proper and, you know, very well mannered, very polite. And to the point of when I first met him and we've worked together in, in, in a capacity in this way, um, sometimes pathologically accommodating, you could say like yeah. huge people pleaser. And I always would joke with him when I first started pointing this out to him. And because it's something I've had to overcome to a degree too. And I say, dude, when somebody steps on your foot in the street, you're not supposed to be the one that apologizes. No, you, know? you are He was not. like, well, but, but I, my foot was in their way. I'm like, no, dude. So yeah, it's funny. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah. that, is, that, is that a cultural thing? And I think Canadians are quite polite and whatnot. I think it is. They're very polite because I, I don't think I'm really, well, I've overcome my people pleasiness. Um, but yeah, the story thing, it just like, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you're, you're in, <laughs> you're in Canada there. No, it's fine. That's so, how I, I, you know, if you've ever listened to the show, yeah, uh, no, it's, it's non-linear experience. It's awesome. Hopefully the listeners uh, are used to that by now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always have my little list of stuff and sometimes I, I look at it at the end and I was like, Oh, what was this thing? I don't even, <laughs> what? These are meaningless questions. Now we just had fun. <laughs> But so yeah, anyway. so, so it's in Canada. Nobody also, it's not, it's not like LA where it was, this is in 2012. So this was a little bit before, like wellness wasn't what it is now. And I wasn't in a place where there was like a booming wellness scene. So I couldn't find propolis anywhere. Um, I went to the source to get it. And again, like not thinking about it as a company at all. I was just, I need this for me. Um, so I got in touch with one beekeeper and I went out to his apiary and apiary is a bee farm. Oh, I to, didn't know that. Yeah, to get propolis for the first time. And the second I was around the bees, I was just like, whoa, what is this? I need to be around this more. This is the coolest thing ever. And I've always loved nature and insects and animals and all that stuff. Um, but there was something that was just like, I'll bring you to the hive sometime and you'll see what I mean. It's like, it's the vibration. It's the sound of the hives, um, aromatherapy, because it gets really hot in the hives, so like the propolis and wax. And it's also just like, there's something about beekeeping that is so meditative for me. I think because one of the ways the bees communicate is through pheromones. 
So if you're freaking out, it's going to stress them out. But if you go in and you're like very zen, um, it it chills you out and, you know, kind of rubs off on you a little really? bit. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. But yeah. So I went out there. I saw the bees. I got my propolis. And I went home that night and I was like, I need to be around this. I this is I'm, I just felt so pulled to it. And I'd never really had that feeling before. Because um, I always just kind of did what's right. And yeah. I... I was planning on going to law school and, you know, doing that sort of thing. Um, there's the people pleasing stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was so full to it. I went back the next day and I was just like, his name's John, my first beekeeping mentor. I was like, dude, can I work for you for free? I will literally like, just let me be your apprentice. And he's a third generation beekeeper from Romania, a retired biochemist who came to Canada to like be a recluse and retire. And then he has this annoying keener who's, who's like, please let me just hang out with you. Um, so he was an OG. Though, he is an like. OG. He is, not yeah. was. Okay. Yeah. He's in Romania now. Oh. Um, he's grandkids. So he went over. But he, yeah. So I became his apprentice. And that was amazing for me because I was learning first of all, his teaching style, it was very karate kid. It was very like, he did, he's not a big talker. Um, he's very private and I'm like very social and bubbly. So that was interesting. Um, but he taught me everything about the bees and all of these different ways to use bee products. And he had a really deep understanding of the healing applications. And then I had the added benefit of being a student at the time. And um, I studied a lot of sciences in my undergrad. And so I, you know, like, I had a great relationship with my chemistry professor. I was a TA for a little bit. Um, so I had full access to my university database and the lab. So it was cool because I could like go to the hives, experience all this stuff. And I was learning from someone who also had a science background. And then I could use all the resources available to students. So I really just became obsessed. I was learning beyond myself about all of these different applications from hormonal balance to energy concerns to like fungal conditions. Um, and then incorporating these products in different ways into my life and continuing on my healing journey, like feeling better than ever. A lot of my food sensitivities, they kind of dissipated. Um, a lot of shifts at that time. And then more than anything, I found something that I really loved. I found something that was really authentically me and not just something that was like good on paper that I should do. Wow. That's, you're so fortunate to have discovered your passion early on. You, you look pretty young. How do you mind asking? No, I'm 27. 27. Okay. So I discovered it young, but I didn't dive into it that quickly. (laughs) There was like like, some tumultuous times. I'm looking at you. I'm like, dude, I think I discovered, I mean, I've had a few passions, you know, I'm, I'm about to turn 48, but it's like, Right now is the first time in my life I'm absolutely certain that I'm living according to my highest good. And like this Amazing. stuff that I'm doing now is why I'm here. But oh my God, what a journey yeah. to arrive there. So you're fortunate to find something that you had an aptitude toward, talent for, and passion. Yeah, I did. I've, I've coached entrepreneurs and it's like a lot of the time, and this was true for me at various points, they'll have uh, a lot of passion for something, mm-hmm. but not that much competence. Mm-hmm. And they have other people that have a lot of competence for working in a field that they don't enjoy and they don't have passion for. And it's when somebody, you know, their when passion and their competence mean. kind of match up to at least close to equal measure. Then yeah. you have a juggernaut of success at your, um, at your command. So I had this really interesting thing and I wonder if people can relate to this. My passion and my competence matched up, but my confidence threw everything Ooh, that's off. that's a good one to put oh, in there. At the bottom. I was like, I can't start a company. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm I, not good I, enough for I this. I can relate. 
yeah. So that that really threw me and that took me on this like weird roundabout path here. So so anyway, so I'm making these bee products. People think I'm nuts because like now it's cool and hipster to keep bees at that time. I had like my beekeeping uniform and my cheerleading uniform in the same bag. And I just remember one of my, <laughs> oh my girlfriends God, going into dude. my bag being like, are you going to kill someone? Like, right. what is this weird suit? Um, but yeah, so people thought it was kind of weird. And then I was sharing products with friends. And next thing you know, people on campus were Facebook messaging me to get these products. So that was another interesting moment where I was like, okay, it's not just me. These things are working. And even people who, you know, aren't very conscious about wellness, they they intuitively know they want to use something more natural. And so I started kind of like selling, <laughs> like selling these like bottles of propolis. Um, I always joke about how like I've always been a drug dealer. <laughs> I was just like selling these weird unlabeled bottles. Um, and they were working and people really liked them. And I was, it was like one of the happiest times in my life. And I was approaching graduation and I got a great job offer from a hedge fund. Um, and starting a bee product sounded insane to my friends and family. And that's where the confidence thing came in. I was like, who the fuck am I to start a company? Like, I don't know how to do that. And I have this great job that I'm so fortunate to get. How dare I turn that down? So I took the hedge fund job. Oh, you did? I did. And I was at that hedge fund for about 10 months. And then I was recruited by Goldman Sachs and I joined them. And that's the New York thing. Wow. Yeah. You went to the dark side mm-hmm. for a month. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, in a sense. Well, yeah, it was It was very... So I was working on the trading floor too, which is like... Damn. I was like one of the only chicks there. Um, on my team, I was the only girl. And You just I had, referred to yourself in two ways that I've gotten in trouble for referring to oh, women. And girls. Yeah. <laughs> I got like a really nasty email from someone at one point that was like, I find your show very offensive. You were interviewing someone and you, you you said something about hot chicks or something. And I was like, what? That's a thing? I didn't even know that was a thing. And so I Googled it and I found the origins of the terminology of the slang. And it was something very innocuous and cute. And it had nothing to do with like belittling women. But it's funny, I don't hear women refer to other women as chicks. So I love you because I (laughs) cannot stand political correctness. It's the- Oh, I am. I'm not politically correct. Also, sorry to any listeners for my lack of politically correctness. I don't want people that are politically correct to even listen to my show. Please go away (laughs) if you're offended, if your feelings are hurt by words you have deeper problems than a podcast could ever solve. That said, you know, I do my best to be kind and compassionate to mm-hmm, others and, mm-hmm. you know, not intentionally hurting one, but sometimes you just have to communicate, you know, yeah, it's like, no, I don't for know. Sure. Or dig into why that's triggering you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like if someone's like calls me a dude, I don't find it offensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, I don't even oh. know what a dude is. It has something to do with horse ranches I don't know. or something. I call literally everyone dude, so. <laughs> right, right. Well, there's yeah. that whole thing too. Like, um, I don't know, not so much anymore, I think, because dude is such a prevalent word. But I do remember at different times where I'd be dating a woman and be like, dude, you want to get a sandwich or whatever? And they're like, yeah, don't call me dude. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, my bad. Anyway, yeah. so um, so you go do this hedge fund thing. Yeah, You're working on the so floor. working it's- on the floor. And I, so I have this job and I was doing well. It's, you know, very good on paper. I was quote unquote successful in a traditional sense. Um, my go forward was really great and I was so miserable. I was really unhappy and it was this weird thing because I'd never, I had more social positive reinforcement than I'd ever had in my life. Like I could, especially living in New York, like in Manhattan, if you go somewhere and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a trader at Goldman Sachs, people automatically are like, cool, you're smart. You don't need to prove yourself to me. 
which also fuck proving yourself to people, a whole other thing. Um, yeah. But at that time I was caught up in that and it became a part of my identity and it was like the way I could measure my own success, but I was really unhappy doing it. And the things that the people I was working with were motivated by, those are just not things I'm motivated by. They're not things I've ever cared about. Um, I basically just like found myself in this job because I'm decent at math and I'm like a crazy hard worker and I just found myself there. And so it was really hard because I was like, why? I, I should be so happy and I'm so, so miserable. And I was really isolated. I was working really long hours. The team I was on, I was the only junior on my team. So like all of the shit work went to me and it was like a lot of long nights and it was just like a kind of wild thing. Um, but I also learned a lot. There's a lot of people who I worked with, who I loved, who are still like homies and like my big brothers. A few of them are actually visiting here right now. And yeah, so some, some real positive came out of that. But anyways, well, ultimate positive came out of that because all my growth did as growth does from pain. Um, so I was really, really depressed and isolated and I sat down with myself and I was just like, this isn't sustainable. So I made a spreadsheet I like spreadsheets and the spreadsheet was all about my happiness. And I was trying to identify when was I the most happy in my life to date. And I kept coming back to making products and working with the bees. And so I was like, okay, I need to do this thing. And again, (laughs) not as a company, but I was just like, this can be my hobby. Like one of the dudes I was working with, there's the word dude. um, He was taking flying lessons and I was like, that's an expensive hobby, but cool. So I was like, why can't this be my hobby? I'll make products the same way people do art or pick up an instrument. You know, I have this job, but I can fill myself up and and cater to the other sides of my personality by doing this. So I started making products. I started because beekeeping wasn't, I love beekeeping, but like I had to be making products. I just had this pull. Um, And I really love the science element of it too. It's really fun for me to just solve problems in that way. So I... I reached out to some people in my network. I started doing um, local volunteer beekeeping. And then I started, I found people in more rural areas who I could start building products with. And I started making these products for myself. And um, I would fly to Toronto on Friday night and stand at a farmer's market booth Saturday, Sunday, and then like fly to New York Sunday night um, to share these products. And like people honestly, like I remember my boyfriend at the time was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is such a weird... Like, it was, I was like, I don't know. I just want to do it. Like you do you. This is what I need to be doing right now. But yeah. I... So I started making these products, sharing them with the world and people were responding. I was getting... I set up like the worst website, but it, it existed. And I started... You know, people were buying product and I started getting emails from people about how nothing works and Propolis does. Or there's one woman who... um she had cancer in her throat and she was really struggling with inflammation and all of these different things. And propolis was kind of her saving grace. I remember somebody reached out to me. Her son has all kinds of autoimmune. He's six years old and chronic strep and stuff that sounded similar to what I dealt with. And he keeps propolis in his backpack and like he hasn't come down with anything in a while. And so I was connecting with what ended up being my tribe. People who didn't think what I was doing was weird and were as excited as I was about this. And I just started to feel full again and I continued in that way. And I, as it grew, I was like, okay, this is kind of a company, I guess I should legitimize this. And um, I started to gradually create some structure. So little things like finding a co-packer, 
um, and, you know, properly incorporating and, and doing those sort of things. I, I did that all gradually, even designing our, our labels. We, I used 99 designs. Like I, everything was super budget. Um, and literally uh, like I would just Google co-packer and then call a bunch of people and like negotiate something I could afford and but basically supporting this company with my salary uh, and living like a student, even though I had a fancy job because I was putting everything into the company. Again, it was another moment where like people thought I was nuts because I would go for drinks with coworkers after work. And I didn't want to drink one for health, but two, because I was living like a student. I was putting all my money into this company. And so people just thought I was like super cheap all the time. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I have like a low pro B empire I'm building. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, But yeah, so I was just doing that passively. And I, even at that time, I was, I still didn't really have the confidence to call myself a CEO or a founder or an entrepreneur, but I had this like little thing that was growing. And I think I slowly sort of gained that confidence, not even the confidence. I just felt the strength behind me to do that uh, because of the customer response. It made, every time I interacted with a customer, I became more clear that this just has to exist in the world. And it got to a point where actually, so we started in retail in Canada because that's where I was like going to sell. Because I also had to be kind of like sneaky about my side hustle because most big organizations don't love when you're giving a ton of your time to like another thing. Yeah. So I started launching in retail in Canada and it got to the point where we were in 600 stores across Canada and Whole Foods and we were shipping internationally. And I was still like working 16 hour days. Um, And... And then I was like, okay, someone has to run this company and like, it's going to fucking be me. And that's when I made the move. So I made the move end of 2016 to full time. Wow. And that's about the time I uh, retired from being a fashion stylist yeah. and started the podcast. Yeah. Early 2016. Powerful time. <laughs> yeah. That must've been a dope year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so cool, man. What a neat, what a neat story. And as I was looking at your... Uh, website today. I mean, your website is gorgeous. The branding, the functionality, the photography. I mean, I'm, I very much pay attention to these things because I'm just visually oriented and, you know, appreciate aesthetics and things like that and design. I'm just a fan of art Mm -hmm. and design, but also because I've been into health stuff for so long, like way before there was an internet and literally 1% or less of the branding and, you know, the way that companies were sort of outwardly facing was nice to look at. It's mm-hmm. like every website was super ugly. Getting one's business card, you're just like, oh my God, why those colors? God, let me help you, you know? And so um, just from, you know, the the point of view of observing the brand of where you are now, which is a very short time after what you just described, I mean just we'll talk about you know your products and stuff like that and what they do and all that but just from a business standpoint it's pretty miraculous what you've been able to build in a short period of time because if i didn't know that story i would be like whoa this is a website with like serious money behind it with a bunch of very experienced entrepreneurs business people behind it and it's like oh no i'm 27 and i followed my passion i'm crushing it it's amazing (laughs) so thank you hats off to you and i i love that you added to my sort of concept of that, um, having competence and passion for the same thing. And you're so right that if at least some degree of confidence or faith or courage or whatever it is, is not there, then you're like, 
cool, I love this thing and I'm really good at it, but I'm too afraid to share it with the world, mm-hmm. which I think so many of us get stuck in at different times. You know? Totally, yeah. We So many of us get in front of ourselves with fear. And it's so unnecessary. I think something that really helped me was um, sort of residing to this notion that it's our choices that define us, not our innate abilities. Because it's really hard for me to label myself as smart or capable or better than, you know, like I don't, I don't, I'm not better than anyone else. I just worked really hard at something. And so remembering that if you just make that choice and you're willing to put in the work, you, you can absolutely do that and end up being the best of it. It doesn't have to be like some crazy innate skill set. And what do you do now to continue to learn about business and get better at what you do? What what are your go-tos just as a a young entrepreneur that's building a quickly emerging company. How do you how do you learn how to do that and hire people and you know manage managing a team and all of the stuff that goes into having a company? Yeah, so I mean I'm learning every day. Now it's interesting because I have more of a network and so I really rely on friends and mentors and I love getting to know people who create things that I've admired and people who have created things and messed them up and then created new things. And so I really work hard to surround myself with people who inspire me. But when I started, I had some incredible contacts in the finance world and I was very fortunate for that. And um, I also like had a background in that, which absolutely helped. But I had no contacts in CPG. I had no contacts in the wellness world. I like listened to your podcast and, you know, people in the space who were sort of paving the way, but I had no way of, I never thought I would be able to get in touch with them. And so what I did was I read a lot. I listened to a ton of podcasts. It's so amazing today. There's so much information that's accessible and these things are so impactful. So like what you're doing, I think is incredibly impactful. Um, And yeah, like it's so, it's easy to sit there and be like, well, that's not me. I would do it if I had this. I would do it if I was in this position. This person had this to start it. But no, every single person has challenges. We all have excuses why we can't. I still have the same excuses or fears. I just deal with them differently. And I continuously just like sought out um, different things that I could learn from. And when I got to a stage where I had more access to people, I moved on that quickly. And I also really, I built strong relationships by the pay it forward principle, just kind of giving to people first and coming at it through that. And that's kind of how I continue to learn. Cool. That's amazing. So I want to get into the actual Mm B world here. And I'm glad we got to cover your story extensively because I think it's important to inspire people um, that when they find something that's like their thing, that that is exceedingly rare. Sometimes that doesn't happen to someone in their whole life. You know, God knows how many lifetimes some of us go through without like, ah, what's my thing? What's my purpose? What's my passion? And we don't find it or we do find it and we don't, um, we you don't pounce on it. it. Yeah, yeah. We just, we let it slip by, you know, and I know I've done that a lot in my life. So I'm, I'm excited to share that part of your story. It's cool. Yeah. And uh, so... Let me see here. <laughs> we can like break down. Should we just go through the B products? And- Let's go through. Well, but I want to go through the B products, but I want to go through first the history of B product yes. use. Like when, as far as your knowledge goes, when did people start going, you know, other than cavemen, paleolithic hunter gatherers, like, oh, there's calories in that fucking thing over there hanging on a tree. If we bat that down, we can eat this sweet gooey stuff. Aside from that, in terms of 
folk medicine and stuff, uh, you know, what cultures, what time periods do bee products uh, come into play? So this is so cool because first of all, bees have been around since prehistoric times and humans have been using bee products, benefiting from them and working with the bees for thousands of years. Like there's, um, there was cave paintings found depicting people kind of gathering honey. In the mummification process, people would use propolis. It's, it's known that propolis was a part of Cleopatra's beauty routine, same with honey. But yeah, we have, we have such an amazing history. I always like to say that propolis is the OG antibiotic because that's literally like what we were using before the oh, advent of modern medicine. Interesting. Yeah. So propolis specifically, well, first of all, we found honey in Egyptian tombs and like we've seen those cave paintings and it's really interesting because across cultures too, these things have been used. So the Incas used to drink propolis to reduce fever. The Romans, like it's just, there's just such a history Traditional Chinese medicine pulls on royal jelly a lot. Um, But the first recorded human use of propolis dates back to 300 BC. And it said that Aristotle coined the term propolis and it means defender of the city. Hippocrates was a big fan of propolis. And yeah, there's, there's record of people using these things in different ways. In the 17th century, the London Pharmacopedia actually listed propolis as an official drug, which is really cool. Wow, that is, that's crazy. I know. And during the Boer War, they would dress wounds with propolis and honey. So all of this stuff. Yeah, in traditional Chinese medicine, royal jelly was used for a fertility tonic and for hormonal balance for both men and women. And then also for brain health. Across Europe, royal jelly is known to be a longevity tonic, great for anti-aging. Ayurveda uh, honey is really massive. It's looked at a lot for its enzyme content and its healing abilities with the gut. So we've been doing this stuff for so long. And so I always like to say that, because it's so funny, like honey is all that we know from the hive and there's so much impact we can have with these other products. Um, So all that I'm really doing or we're really doing at Beekeepers Naturals is we're just re-educating people about the resources that nature gave to them in the first place that were so impactful. Cool. Thank you for that. Yeah, I I kind of forgot about, you know, touching on all those different systems of natural medicine, the Ayurveda, Chinese Mm -hmm. medicine, et cetera. It reminds me of being a kid. And I think the first time I started to see some of these things was in San Francisco in Chinatown. And I used to love to go in these um, kind of herb emporiums that just had this cacophony of uh, aromas that were foreign and interesting. Mm -hmm. And you'd see two things that were really popular in those shops was these little um, like shot glasses of ginseng. Yep. And like, they put royal jelly in sometimes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they have royal jelly in it. Yeah. Little ginseng. I used to go to those places. You did? Yeah. And then there's other just little, I don't know, jars of, yeah, tiny little jars of royal jelly. Yeah. And I remember seeing that when I was a kid. I'm, you know, it was years later before I ever figured out what any of them are, but that's true. And the honey and Ayurveda. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it does span across the globe. Humans yeah. figured out like, oh, this stuff's good for you. Yeah. Okay. So. Since most of us think, oh yeah, bees, they just make this stuff called honey and you, you know, put it on your cinnamon toast or whatever, <laughs> what, um, you know, or your mom like is boring and makes you use honey and stuff instead of good white refined sugar. <laughs> but what are some of the other components of the hive? Mm-hmm. So this is how I like to break it down. I like to just talk about how the bees use these things and then kind of how we do. Oh, cool. So in the hive, honey is bee food. It's their carbs. It's their energy source. It comes from floral nectars. So the bees, they have this long tube-like tongue called a proboscis and they'll basically suck up the nectar from the flower, bring it back to the hive, put it into the caps and they fan out the moisture with their wings. No way. Yeah. And uh, it ferments a bit and that's kind of how 
that's that's honey. See, this is okay. I'm going to dip into each one a little bit. This yeah. is what's so fascinating because out in nature, sometimes throughout life, unless I think there's a chance that they're poisonous, I'll just grab flowers and they smell so delicious and fragrant, mm-hmm. right? And then, but if you eat a flower, and sometimes people put them in, you know, in salads and toppings and things like that, you know, like culinary flowers, right? But they all taste like crap. They're never sweet. They smell wonderful. But I mean, take like a rose and try to eat a couple of rose petals. It's disgusting, you know? So I always found it strange that bees can produce such a mass amount of this carbohydrate, mm-hmm. calorie-rich, sticky, sweet substance from flowers. Because when I crack open a flower, there is not shit that's sweet in there. Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah. Like, how? I mean, how many damn flowers do they have to go to? It's like (laughs) each flower has two little molecules of sweetness. And then the bee goes to like 100,000 freaking flowers and comes back with a teaspoon of honey or something. It's also, it's how the bees make it. It's also because it's mixed with their enzymes. So the bees actually have two stomachs. So they suck this nectar up through their tube and they carry it back to the hive in their honey stomach. So they have their regular stomach and their honey stomach, which is basically <laughs> a nectar backpack. <laughs> That'd be a cool name for a band, Honey Stomach. Yeah, that's anyway. actually a great name. <laughs> um, or for something, I don't know, Honey Stomach. I just like that. <laughs> oh, okay. So they're regurgitating. Mm-hmm. So when we're eating honey, we're eating bee puke. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, not to. It is. It's a bummer for you. We're. You know, I know. I hate to like say that, but guys, it's really good. You go don't on your podcast and promote your product, <laughs> and then the host is like, "Oh, so you're selling puke? Cool. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Insect puke has got to be awesome." <laughs> But see, okay. But no, so- that's, that's part of the magic. So the enzymes, um, that's that's a huge part of it. And that's like, honey is the only food on the planet that never goes bad. And that's a testament to its enzyme quality. Whoa, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. Because I've had honey- Literally never goes bad. I've had honey that uh, is, you know, whatever. I, I forget about it. And then it goes back in the corner of my, mm-hmm. you know, condiment or supplement cabinet or whatever. And then I move and I'm like- Oh shit! I forgot I had this honey, and it's still good. Oh yeah, yeah. Like this, they Forever found ago. they found honey in Egyptian tombs, and it's still a hundred percent edible. Like honey will crystallize if it's raw; it will, you know, change its consistency. But like you can still eat it, and it has all the benefits, and you're good. So you just solved the riddle for me of why flowers aren't sweet, but honey <laughs> is. So they take this nectar out of the yep. flowers. They put it in their, their in their honey stomach, mm-hmm. honey tum- uh, tummy, and then mix it with their enzymes, regurgitate it back up into the comb. The comb and then you have this sweet, gooey stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it ferments in the comb. So, so yeah, so honey, it's beef food and it's their carbs. And then pollen is their protein. So pollen, same sort of thing. They go from flower to flower. They collect pollen and how they, because if you just take a flower and like sprinkle the pollen, it's not going to stick together. It's like powder. So the bees mix it with their enzymes and they like bundle it and then they stick it on their back legs and carry it back to the hive. And that's called pollen pants. It's really cute. So when you see bees. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I can picture that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have like little nodules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pollen, so it's their protein source and pollen actually has more protein per weight than any animal source, which is really interesting. Wow. And mm-hmm. is it bioavailable protein it like is. a steak or sea bass or so something? So this is the thing that I love. It's full of free-forming amino acids and, and live enzymes. Um, so pollen, it's a really great way to help with absorbing nutrients, a great way to like kind of, you know, people take um, plant-based enzymes for digestion. Like pollen has all of these amazing enzymes, honey too. Uh, but yeah. It's, oh, interesting. It's a really so, great superfood. That's why it's so nice as like an add-on to things. Like I put pollen on my salad. I put it on toast. I put it on literally everything. 
Right, right. Yeah. And it has to be, out of all the V products, pollen's the only one that has to be refrigerated. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a lot of... So a lot of the time, pollen on the market, our V pollen, I like to tell people to refrigerate it because it's totally raw. A lot of the pollen you buy, it's good, right? A lot of the pollen... I'm eating, I'm eating some bee pollen. <laughs> so I, was, I, I literally drink it like that sometimes. I was though, trying to be, like trying to be low boost. key while you were in the middle of a sentence, <laughs> but I'm like, I love just chewing on bee pollen. Oh, it's, it's like, so good. It's and best. it's really high in B vitamins. It's really like, I think of pollen as a multivitamin. It's really high in broad spectrum vitamins, free farming amino acids. It contains a compound called rutin, which strengthens capillaries. So great for the skin. Um, like BCAAs, it's really great for a pre-workout. There's actually a study done and it found that pollen, it increases, it increases blood hemoglobin values. So it helps you to basically oxygenate your muscles. So it's great for endurance. Really? So taking, oh yeah. Pollen is like the best pre-workout. So pollen is like for beast mode purposes? Oh yeah. Full beast mode, you take your pollen. So yeah. So pollen, it's not always kept in the fridge. A lot of different brands, they dry the pollen out and they apply heat. The bee pollen still contains a ton of vitamins, minerals, nutrients, but... I'm kind of a hard out about heat and like changing things from nature. So ours, I want to keep it raw also because I want to keep the enzymes intact. So for ours, it can be out of the fridge. It's fine. Once you open it, I say, put it in the fridge. Um, the beehive gets really hot. It's not going to like go bad. But if you really want to just preserve the enzyme content and keep the pollen fresh, it's great to keep it in the fridge or freezer. I usually keep mine in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so pollen is the bee's protein. And then, that, is, that is hella good. <laughs> I'm sitting here munching on the it's bee pollen, so you guys. Good. I'm like, just keep talking. Please make it a long <laughs> diatribe on the pollen because I'm going to crush this whole jar. <laughs> well, the good thing too, so one of the reasons our pollen is so flavorful is because we work with wildflower apiaries. So a lot of the pollen, it comes from monocrops and often it's coming from corn and soy. And one, we don't want to work with monocrops. Two, we are definitely not working with corn and soy. And so because it's coming from wildflower apiaries, you're getting that rich variance of foliage. Our bees, we do sustainable beekeeping, so they're just healthier and happier. And I really believe that if the creatures are happy, the stuff they make is going to be a hell of a lot tastier and better for you. So our pollen's really different. That's so amazing. I'm like it. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. It's yeah. interesting because that's one thing I love about bee products is they all have a unique flavor profile. Mm -hmm. and you can get honey from different parts of the world where there's... Total different taste. There are different wildflowers, like, right? Yep. Like um, David Wolf. I don't know if he still does, oh, but... I know his avocado honey. He sent me some from Hawaii. Oh, he did? Yeah. yeah. He made this Noni Land honey I used to get. And it was... I swear to God, it, it looked like molasses. Yeah. You know, it was dark, dark uh, brown, very rich. And he's out there you know, growing whatever kind of flowers make the bees make the most chronic honey. He kind mm -hmm. of like bio-engineered the honey and it was fantastic. It was like freaking a zillion dollars for five teaspoons in a little jar. Yeah. Honey, but Noni Land honey was the best. And then I, I kind of started geeking out on other honeys. I was like, oh, if you go to the farmer's market in Ojai, the honey tastes different. Mm -hmm. It has a sage flavor or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. And that um, pollen that I just tried is like, wow. Yeah. Explosion of different um, subtle aromas. It's Very interesting. It's really cool. So our honeys, so we have like a raspberry blossom, a wildflower, buckwheat, all different flavor profiles. And then also the darker the honey, the higher the antioxidant content. So buckwheat honey actually has the highest antioxidant content. It has oh. an interesting taste. It's like, you'll probably, I'll get you some. You'll probably I've like it if you like that. I've had buckwheat honey before. Yeah, yeah, it's like earthy. 
It does have a different flavor. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, I haven't had yours, but I have had it just because I, as I said, I like to explore that. So you mentioned something. What I always like to, I always like to get into the dark side of <laughs> different industries, you know, because I'm just, I like exposing fake shit. Mm-hmm. And um, something that's always concerned me a bit about um, bee products is the plants that the bees are going to get mm-hmm. the, the goods from, you know, and you mentioned soy and corn yeah. is, do you avoid that and monocrops because of the risk of GMO, uh, a, you know, getting into your stuff? Yeah. So that's a big thing. Um, so with monocrops, like a raspberry blossom honey, it's predominantly raspberries that they're pollinating, but anybody who has like a monocrop, what, what I do is I make sure that they, do 30% margin planting, which is planting a variance of crops in the margins, which by the way, if you have a farm, do margin planting. Like why would you not create a varied ecosystem for the creatures around you? Even if you are monocropping and like, because economically, although I really hate it, I understand that it makes sense. Anyways, so where so really... So what is that thing you described? So say I have, uh, I have an orchard of almond trees. Yeah, so you have an orchard of almond trees and what happens is that one, the bees don't have a varied diet. So, you know, same as us, if all we ever ate was kale, even though kale is good for us, probably not the best. The second thing is what happens is there's a single bloom period. So there's a time of year where everything's blooming um, for almonds February. And then after that, it's a food desert for all the creatures around. Oh, so, interesting. Is like, that why like in central California where they have all these almond ranches, they move the bees in and out? Oh, that's a whole other thing. Oh my God. <laughs> what is, what's up with that? Oh my God. Because okay. you'll see like certain times a year you drive up to San Francisco on the five and you're like, oh, weird. There goes a semi full of, of, um, of uh, what do you call them? Hives. Bees, yeah. Beehives. Yeah, so I'm like, beehives. oh, weird. They're taking them out of the almond orchards mm-hmm. and to somewhere else. What's up with that? Okay. So this is a whole thing. So... Migratory beekeeping, first of all, it's not necessarily, I I have to like be PC here because I go to beekeeping events and like union meetings and I'm like the annoying hippie that everyone gets mad at. But um, migratory beekeeping, there is a history of it. Like people used to send bees down the Nile. You can transfer bees, but the way it's done today isn't the best. And so what's happening is we're losing bees at a rapid pace. A lot of factors are playing into that climate change. Big, big, big one is pesticides. And we're consuming more than ever. And we need bees to pollinate. So literally a lot of our food will not grow without the bees. Like some some types of flowering plants, they can't self-reproduce. They need the bees to transfer the pollen from um, the female part to the male part of the plant. So without the bees, we literally would lose one third of our food supply. So what's happening with things like almonds, you know, almond milk is hot and people want almond products and consumption is way up, but we don't have enough bees to pollinate. So beekeepers get paid to truck their bees from all over America over to California for the almond bloom. And the bees are let out and they pollinate. And it's typically not done ethically. There's pesticides being sprayed sometimes as the bees are pollinating. Um, Like germs are spread. The transport isn't done in a really sensitive way. It's all kinds of things that like I stress out about. Um, And then beyond that, it's created a really interesting environment. And this is going to go into what we were saying before, but it is more profitable now to be, for the most part, to be a beekeeper who who works in pollination services than it is to be an old school beekeeper who like harvest products and then works with companies like me to share them. Uh... So we practice sustainable beekeeping. We work with like a small group of rebels who, you know, are willing to say no. 
And one of the things and one of the reasons I was so broke when I started doing this is because I was paying a premium to compete with that whole industry to incentivize people who wanted to do things in the right way to sell me their product. And like, you know, they wanted to do it too because they're like, yes, finally, like a vehicle to make a living where I can also keep bees in the way that I want. Because a lot of people, they have to practice migratory beekeeping. They get paid per acre. It can be really lucrative, um, but they don't necessarily want to. And so, so because of that whole thing, so beekeepers now generally work in pollination services and they're basically transporters of these like pollination machines. That's a lot interesting. Of the honey, I, feel, I kind of feel bad for the bees. I don't know. I mean, I it, eat meat and stuff. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't, but... Well, it can be, it can be done well. But here's the thing. This is why I always, this, when I speak kind of, to vegans... Kind of, I, I think like, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I ahead. get excited. I'll always remember, well, 900 of time, I remember what you're talking about. We'll go back to it. But for some reason, when I've seen those bee trucks, like cruising around with all the beehives, I'm like, ah, oh, that sucks. And yeah. I have the same feeling actually when I see animals being transported oh, in that way. Too. It's just like, they've got to be going, what the F is going on here? We understand, hey, I'm getting in a car. I'm going from point A to point B. This is awesome. Animals don't know what the hell is going on when they're moved around like that. Yeah, it's so jarring. And that's why when I speak to vegans, because we're a vegan company, because we do everything sustainably, I always tell people it's more damaging for the bees to eat blueberries or almonds than it is to eat our products. When you're eating our products, you're actually supporting this closet industry of sustainable beekeepers who are saying like, nope, fuck you. I'm not going to transport my bees. I'm going to keep them here. I'm going to keep them on these clean grounds and I'm going to care for them. And like once they make this a surplus of this product, I'll sell this to this company. And so that's kind of how our partners work. And that's why you know, buying honey that's ethically made and supporting that side of the industry is actually really important. But what's happening, so all these beekeepers work in pollination services, but there's still demand for honey. So a lot of the honey on the market is not really honey. A lot of it is cut with corn syrup. Um, it's like sugary garbage. In the, in the drug world, we call that it's stepped on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stepping on it. Yeah, so I just remember that term. That's funny. That's when you'd get really bad coke, and you're like, "I think this is actually baby powder." There's no cocaine <laughs> in this coke. Uh, it doesn't numb your tongue. That's the first test. Anyway, so like olive oil and mm-hmm. other, yeah, highly valued commodity foods. You know, expensive to produce mm-hmm. commodity foods. Uh, there is um, a lot of proliferation of fugazi fake ass honey that's got other stuff tons how like you know when you go in the you go in like a, a standard grocery store and you see those little honey bears and oh, stuff yeah. you know okay like, that's like trash that's like pasteurized sugar water right but even it's even at the farmers markets like most of the pollen and honey from these like adorable little stands are coming from china what yeah because these people who oh, you know do that as no. a living they're making more money driving their bees to, and then like driving their bees to these different orchards to pollinate. Um, and then they, they buy cheap product. They take some of that profit, buy cheap product from China and sell it at stands. And like, that's our big difference where our honey is 100% honey. All of our bee products are made at apiaries that we have vetted. And then beyond that, we're the only bee product company that practices third-party pesticide testing on all of our raw product. And that's You guys are the only one? Mm-hmm. Okay, this brings me to another thing because... I love myth busting and I'm just like a conspiracy theorist. I can't help it because there's so many conspiracies. How can you not be? So not only can some of the honey be just fugazi and just be a bunch of of corn syrup or whatever. What always worries me, and I'm also paranoid (laughs) about what I put in my body, 
is that say I go to the Ojai farmer's market or whatever. And, you know, maybe it's not from China. Like I look them in the eye. I'm like, are you the beekeeper? They're like, yeah, yeah we have all the hives. But dude, next to their little farm mm-hmm. could be full on um, glyphosate, Roundup totally. sprayed, totally gnarly GMO land. It's like, you can't stop. Your bees aren't in a giant net above no. your field of almonds or avocado trees or whatever. You can't like control where your bees are going, no. you know? So is so- there a lot of, you know, Roundup? glyphosate, which is one of the gnarliest pesticides. Is there a lot of that in the honey and bee so product supply? This was like such a... I'm so happy we're talking about this because this framed a lot of what we do. Part of me being autoimmune, I can't ingest that stuff. And honey and bee products and pollen and all this stuff, it's coming from flowers and plants and there's still like a lot of great components in it. But if these flowers and plants are covered in pesticides, there probably will be trace amounts in your product. And like, I actually can't ingest that. So for us. And, and it's also like, you know, you see organic honey on the shelf and the, so the bees will, will, um, forage for up to five, a five mile radius. That's the distance they'll fly together, oh, food, which is broader than the organic radius. Oh, so, no yeah, way. So you can have certified organic honey that's next to like some shitty crops covered and stuff. And because you can't put a leash on the bees, you can't, you know, you can't really monitor it. So like organic is a joke in the bee world because it means nothing. Oh my God. Um, I'm never eating anyone else's honey except yours. I'm serious. <laughs> did you well, say I, did, I don't like Did you say you guys are the only company that yeah, tests for as pesticides? Of now we are. Yeah. God, yeah. what a great I mean, there um, might be other ones that do that maybe aren't public. I like I don't totally know, but we're definitely the only ones that speak out about it and that, that's been part of our model from day one. See, I think that's so important as a company that makes a health food or product. It and it's such a I mean, it's great for marketing too, because you could say, Well, cool, we make this honey. And we do third party, which means, you know, those of you listening that don't know, that means it's not you doing the no. testing, right? It's someone else, an arbitrary person that has no vested interest in clearing oh, and your honey. Of, something even better. It's done what? in Canada where they're more regulated. So the list of to- the toxicity list in Canada is longer than in the US. So our honey is like super, super clean. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there's, there's you know, the the testing thing. But what that does for you too is to say... Well, there might I could go to Air One right now and maybe get ten brands of honey that are mm-hmm. that are real honey. They're totally legit. They're great, and maybe uh, eight of them don't have pesticides, and they're totally pure and clean, right? Just because they're grown right and wildflowers, not monocrops, whatever. More than five miles away from spraying all that, but still, you don't know because they don't test. Yeah, so that's the thing, and that's what you know. A lot of people gave Dave Asprey flack when he came out with Bulletproof Coffee and was like, "Hey." Heads up, uh, there's widespread uh, aflatoxin in coffee worldwide. Everyone in the coffee industry knows that mold, it's not the mold, it's the poop of the mold. They Mm -hmm. defecate in the coffee beans and it's just a lot of the processes that are done at lower altitude, higher humidity in the process and you end up with mold in your coffee. And that's what actually makes you irritable and cranky and it makes you shaky and stuff. It's not the caffeine. When I heard that, I was like, oh, word. So I only drink Bulletproof coffee, not because it's the only coffee in the world that doesn't have mold in it, which is what people got pissed at him about. It's a great marketing move on his part. But I'm only going to drink coffee that has been tested for mold. And when other people come out and they're like, cool, we make coffee, it's tested for mold too, then I'll drink their freaking coffee too. Yeah. If there were 10 companies that made honey products that were tested for pesticides, I would probably try them all. But why like risk it? Because you just don't know. And if you're taking something to make you healthier, you the last thing you want is like some garbage stuff put it in. That's why we take our 
our sourcing and our product quality so seriously. And by the way, I would be thrilled if more companies started doing pesticide testing because beyond this product line, like we are losing the bees. And one third of our food supply is reliant on bee pollination. So like, obviously I want my company to do well, but more than that, I want us to have an international food supply. And if more people are you know, creating awareness about how bad the pesticide problem is, then maybe we'll have more impetus to change it. So if you are a beekeeper, like it's good for marketing. So like, just do it. But also you can like pass back that information and start to be really aware totally. of the pesticides in the area because we are all screwed if we don't fix this. <laughs> okay. So thank you for that. And yes, I implore anyone, anyone that makes a product that's supposed to be good for you, man, you better be testing that shit and make sure it doesn't have anything that's bad for you in it. It's like, I know if I go to McDonald's and eat, what do they have? A Big Mac? It's uh, been I a long been time. so long. Yeah, <laughs> or Big I Mac. smoke a pack of Marlboros or I drink some Jack Daniels. It's like, okay, I know if I'm doing those things that I know what I'm getting myself yeah. into. But if I go to the health food store and I drop 300 bucks on 10 items at checkout to get well or to stay well, those things should be safe. Yeah. Why do all the swag commodity products in the world have all the poison in it? So those of you making stuff like test and you can use it in your marketing. You can use it as like a, a you know, not to be mean, but you could use it as a fear tactic like in your marketing. Did you know that these are the products commonly found in the product that we sell and ours is tested to not have that? Wow. You can rest assured that it's not. I mean, that's, that's powerful yeah, and for someone be, that's a consumer like me. Totally. And to be fair, I would never have assumed that these like bee products made from a wonderful bee beekeeper at like a beautiful apiary would have pesticides in them. I just was taking things that I was making and reacting to them. And so I had to reach out to a lab and start testing and do that. Um, So I think there's probably a huge portion of people who are making products in like the best way they know how, and they just don't realize that our environment is so dirty. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other side of it too. It's like, it's hard. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. One thing I find really interesting about people that are health obsessed like myself is that oftentimes they take much care and consideration when they're choosing what foods to eat, what drinks to drink, etc. In other words, people are very concerned about what they put in their body, but many people are not as careful about what they put on their body. And you know, your skin is your largest organ. So anything you put on your skin is like putting in another mouth. I mean, really your skin is like a giant mouth. Just ask Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock, you know, a little history lesson here. That's why he put his LSD tab in his headband. He didn't even need to put it in his mouth. It just goes in your skin and all the nasty stuff and the lotions and sunscreens and all of that stuff goes right into your bloodstream. Your liver doesn't even get to clean it out. It's really nasty. So my friend Andy Nilo, who's also a former guest of the show, started this company called Alatura Naturals. And you can hear his whole life story, which is insane. Uh, Just a real like rags to riches kind of situation on episode 18. And one thing I like about Andy is he's just completely obsessed with the sourcing of the best ingredients. You could literally eat his product. And um, actually, your skin does eat it. I mean, he uses things that are foods. He uses spring water, extra virgin olive oil, cocoa butter, beeswax, evening primrose oil, aloe vera, raw honey, bee propolis, um, sandalwood oil, German chamomile oil, sea buckthorn, all the good stuff. Like anyone that knows about um, you know, skin products and things like that knows that this is the best stuff that you can put on your skin. Now, my favorites are the night cream, the clay mask, and the face lotion. I use two of those every single day religiously. I've been using them for years. 
And to be honest, I get a lot of compliments on my skin. I'm just turned 48 at the time of this recording and people often say, dude, your skin looks great. What do you do? And this is what I do. I use Alatura Naturals. So if you want to check it out, all you need to do is head over to alaturanaturals.com to see how you can radiate health. And as a free gift for my listeners, use the code LIFESTYLIST for 20% off and free shipping in the US on your order at alaturanaturals.com. And now back to the interview. With the uh, and I want to get back to a couple of the bee products, but first, uh, just the you know the bees um, in terms of uh, the ecology mm-hmm. of the planet. I like to cover that a bit more. So, if one third of the world's general food supply is dependent on bee pollination, and the bees are starting to die off, we can assume that part of that is their their little ecosystem getting infected with pesticides, yeah. which is oh, it's really bad. Pesticide means it's something that kills pests, and mm-hmm. bees, from that standpoint, could be a pest or an insect, right? Yeah. What about the? Have, do you know anything about issues with one of these two things? Um, uh, electromagnetic pollution, you know, from cell towers and uh, smart meters and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it, dude, if you have a cell tower on the street and there's a tree in front of it, the fucking tree dies. You know what I mean? Birds won't nest in that tree. I mean, it's we can't see it, so it seems like tinfoil hat weirdness. But if you get out some EMF um, testing equipment in like where we are right now in the middle of LA, I mean, that shit will be off the chart. So you'd have a hard time maybe growing bees here. So have you heard anything about you know cell towers and stuff like that hurting the bees? Mm-hmm. So 5G, all this kind of stuff? I don't know a ton of... I remember reading a study years ago. I think it came out of Germany that spoke to that. I don't remember the specifics. I, again, I'm like so open to that and I'm a big believer in like distorting the natural state of affairs was not meant to happen. So anything we're doing that's fucking with nature, I'm just not on board with. But the thing that I personally and my company just really hyper-focuses on is pesticides. So what happened there, like in 2006, DDT was taken out of the game. It was replaced with a substance called neonicotinoids. And that's the most prevalent pesticide used today. And it's uh, scary for a few reasons. One, that it's water soluble. So it's getting into our soil and it is getting into our water supply. Um, And two, it's a neuroactive substance. And, you know, like there was a published study coming out of Harvard. It found that it's damaging to the bees. But pesticide industry is massive. And we haven't seen the momentum that we should have um, to change that. Now, other parts of the world have been really good in Canada, Ontario, where I'm from actually was the first place to institute a partial ban on neonicotinoids. Um, Europe's been amazing. The US, it's not really happening yet, but I'm hopeful eventually because it has to. But yeah, it's this substance that's being sprayed. And by the way, with neonics as well. So you can do it in two ways. You can spray it on the plants or you can actually spray it in the seeds. And it grows up through the plant's vascular system. Oh, so gnarly. it's like in the plant. Yeah, it's really, really gross. And it's yeah, funny we, because the, what's the name of it? Neonicotinoids, neonics for short. Oh, it sounds awesome because it sounds like nicotine. <laughs> I love nicotine. Like, give me nicotinoids. Well, yeah, yeah, great. Give me some of that. That sounds great. I love cigars. Um, oh, yeah, not good. No, but you know, it's funny. Can't you use like tobacco juice as a as a natural pesticide or something? I've I wonder if there's a correlation with those that. with those words. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so we don't really know for sure about the EMFs, but like you said, if anything that's interrupting the natural flow of the Earth's energies like that it could probably have an effect. Now, what about 
um, geoengineering or chemtrails, the stuff that we've seen sprayed all over the skies, pretty much all over the planet now. Yeah. Anytime, is, anyone, is anyone talking about that at all in the bee not world? Not as much. I mean, I'm, people are, but it's just the pesticide fight is like a battle. Right. So people are super focused on that. And especially because there has been momentum in other parts of the world, the fact that it's not happening here, it's like a big topic for us. And it's really bad. Like I, I have beekeeper friends and beekeepers we've worked with where... So first of all, our apiaries are literally in the middle of nowhere and they kind of have to be because because we do the pesticide testing, all of our apiaries have to have that five mile radius of clean ground. So we have to really get away from stuff. So like we have a few apiaries in Canada and the Rockies. We have some in Brazil. Um, we do work in the US, but you know we do quarterly pesticide testing and we do pesticide, like we do soil sample testing. We do pesticide testing on our raw product and we have to be really quick to pivot because we obviously like take a hit as a company if anything comes back unclean because like we just right. will not use it. And so you'll have to bail on that apiary. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Api? Apiary. Apiary yeah. until they get it together and pass Pretty stuff much. again. And often they can't because like if you're doing things the right way and your neighbors, your new neighbors are doing something dirty, then what are you going to do? You have to, you have to move. And I've seen that happen. And I've seen amazing beekeeper friends who have been beekeepers for years and often it is a generational trade. And so it's really upsetting when this happens. And one winter their bees just don't make it. And Aww. and their immune system and then you start looking at what's happening in the surrounding area and they realize one one friend of mine, the sometimes the government will spray sides of roads with pesticides. Um, and that started happening in his area. And his bees, their immune system was totally compromised from it and they didn't make it over the winter. And like he had to move and like that's his livelihood. He lost 200 hives. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting too, because when you think about the bees' ability to uh, collect and consolidate molecules, mm -hmm. right? So they're taking these plant essences and they're making these bee products out of it and regurgitating that whole process we described. But if you think about how many flowers they have to go to collect pollen from to make yeah. the bee pollen, how much of those polysaccharides and those sugars they have to collect from the nectar of plants to then go make their honey, that they're concentrating the pesticides too. So if you're getting tainted honey that's grown in a you know highly sprayed agricultural area, you're taking concentrated poison. It can be really I bad. I would think. I do, right? I do think that in the in the fermentation process with their enzymes, it cleans it up a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, but it's definitely like, I just, it's just for me, it's a no-go. Like I can't eat pesticides. I work because of my health stuff. Like I work really hard to stay away from it. And it's so important for me. Like I won't make a product that I don't eat every day. Every single one of our products I use in my routine, no chance I'm selling something that I don't. Even we're coming out with a propolis for kids. Like it tastes really good. So I'm even using that one and like my little brother's using it. It's really cute. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's just my philosophy and my team shares it. Every one of our team members, you know, if, if there was a, someone at our company doing something unethical, I think they'd walk as much as they love it. Um, and that's why they're our team and that's why I love them. That and like, they're amazing and talented and crush it, of course. But, but yeah, like I, I have to be really, really careful. So I, I stay away from that stuff. Um, but there's also so many nutritious benefits to honey. And it's also like, we're getting trace amounts of this stuff in our soil, in our water, in our produce. And it's really hard to fully get away from. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just something to be aware of. I'm not saying like boycott all honey if it's not pesticide tested. Not all of it is covered in pesticides, but it is definitely like a lot of it is, unfortunately. 
Um, and this is really interesting too, because it brings up the topic of locals. And I would say talk to people and they're like, oh, I want honey from a 10 mile radius. And one, 10 mile radius today is probably like agro farms with GMO pesticide garbage. But more than that, 10 mile radius in the olden days made a lot of sense because it was a beautiful farm with a rich variety of flowers and plants. And it exposed you to a lot of the local foliage and specifically the 10 mile radius pertains to allergies. Like you don't need honey in a 10 mile radius. It's really just like if you're trying to kind of microdose with the allergen to reduce the reaction. Right, right. But today, 10 mile radius, it's not that farm with wildflowers. It's a monocrop right. with one plant type that's probably not the one you're allergic to. 10 mile to. radius of Hollywood. You don't want to, you don't want to eat anything no. grown in that <laughs> radius. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, a couple of years ago, I was visiting my dad in Colorado and he lives uh, in a town called Grand Junction, which is a godforsaken place. Um, but there's beautiful places around it that we travel to. But for whatever reason, he settled there. Dad, if you ever hear this, God damn it, move back to Aspen where it's pretty. He's he's, <laughs> he's moving, he's working on it. He's trying to sell his house and buy a new one. Anyway, we're all about the outdoors. I go out with dad and we're walking along uh, this trail next to his property and it goes onto some couple other people's properties and we stumble across these abandoned beehives. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Someone just left. There's maybe oh, 25 little white you know, wooden hives there. And I was like, oh, word. I wonder if there's any um, bee bread in there and you're going to mm-hmm. tell us what that is. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I was like, God damn, there sure is. There was tons of bee bread in there. And so I went and meticulously collected a bunch. I turned my dad on the sun. We're eating it. I explained what it was and how amazing it was. And then I took it back in a Ziploc bag to his house and I started eating it for a couple of days. And then Boom. I got super, super, super sick. Was this around, what year was that? Uh, this would have been two years ago. Okay. Year and a half, two yeah, years so ago. So that was like probably a hive that experienced colony collapse disorder. Uh, and you ate CCD bee bread, which is not ideal. Yeah. You're clearly I got, alive and thriving, but not the best. I got super sick. Yeah. And I was, I had two events to speak on out there in Aspen. It was a freaking disaster. But I'm eating that stuff going, this is great, bee bread. It's yeah, good for your like immune a, system. Yeah, there's a of pesticides in there. Okay, yeah. so this is really interesting. And, and then, but then, you know, in retrospect, I was like, oh, that area is full on agriculture. I mean, you talk about mm-hmm. five miles, like within a five mile radius of where I got that bee bread out of those hives. It's just, it's just all farms. And they're yeah. not organic farms. It's not a progressive area. These guys are like full on Walmart GMO culture, you know? Yeah. Okay, so colony collapse disorder, that's like we're still losing the bees, but that specific phenomenon isn't happening as much now. Actually, you know what it was? It was last year. Okay. It was last October. It was about a year ago. It wasn't two years. Yeah, it was last year because I had those events, yeah. So this is really interesting. So if a hive picks up and leaves, they will like bring their honey. They will not leave larvae. They will not leave the queen. But what was happening and how we started to kind of identify the bee crisis was colony collapse. So what happens is people were just going out to tend to their bees and they go out to the hive and all the bees were gone. Like all the bees were gone. The larvae, the babies were there. Um, Sometimes there was a queen, but all the bees were gone. There was no dead bee bodies around. They were just literally like they'd ghosted, but they left the full honey stores. And then this is the really weird part. And like also how amazing is nature? Um, Local predators, whether it's mice or wax moths or whatever that would love to gorge on an empty beehive, don't touch it. Oh. Yeah. 
So that is probably what. So the fact that that bee bread was still in there and hadn't been foraged by yeah. other creatures, they it's came so up toxic. and were like, they oh, were hell like, no. No, no thanks. Oh, God, that sucks. Isn't that crazy? Well, so what was the stuff that you think I probably ingested? In well, there? it's just a ton of different pesticides. Oh, okay. and yeah. So colony collapse. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm being like a little um, PC with it, <laughs> but it is a really big thing. A lot of bee products, they do have trace amounts of pesticides. They, it, you are exposing yourself to these different things. So it is really important to, you know, you want to find a company that does pesticide testing or is in a, a geographic area where that stuff is not going down. Um, and to the extent you can like know where your stuff is coming from, because there are yeah. so many amazing benefits to these products, but don't take them with a side of pesticides, like get the good Maybe stuff. don't wild for wild forage in like an abandoned. Yeah. Be careful with that one. Oh but God. Bee bread is really interesting. So, yeah, so I'm, tell, I'm like, so tell, tell us about bee bread. Cause yeah. I, how I found it is, uh, there's, and I'm never going to give links to this. This is my own connection, but I have a secret connection in, um, I think she's in Siberia, Siberia. I think she's in Siberia and it's yeah. where I order, uh, I get my, um, uh, uh, Shilajit, this tar Shilajit mm-hmm. from this one person there. And she also sells bee bread. Mm-hmm. And she says in, in her stuff for her bee bread that, you know, there's no pesticides. It's grown in the middle of freaking nowhere. It's all good. And I was like, bee bread. And I've read a little bit about it. So which is fascinating stuff. So what is bee bread for those that don't know? So first of all, I'm happy you're not going to share that information because bee bread's incredible for you but it's not sustainable to harvest. So it's not, that's why we don't make like bee bread as a company. I was wondering that. Yeah, because it's, it's the food of the baby bees and it's the food of the young bees. Oh, I'm such a dick. Well, in small, (laughs) in small amounts, I don't think, it sounds like she's not producing, but like it's not something you want to scale with. Okay. But bee bread's amazing because it's all of the superfoods from the hive and bee products when they're combined have synergistic effects. And bee bread is actually what we created bee powered. So that's why you like it so much. So bee powered... It's our, it's the raw honey, but it also has the medicinal grade dosages of royal jelly, bee pollen, and propolis. And that's what bee bread is. It's the combination. So rather than taking the bee bread, we just harvest these different things individually and then combine them. And literally like there's no heat that's applied. We just mix them together and that's our bee powered honey. But bee bread's amazing because one, and we can go deeper into all the different benefits, but royal jelly is amazing for your brain. Um, hormonal balance, antioxidants, it's an immunomodulatory agent, pollen full of protein, live enzymes, propolis is the best immune booster, really high in caffeic acid, so great for combating post-oxidative stress, it's anti-inflammatory, and then raw honey is full of the antioxidants, it has a lot of enzymes, so all this good stuff. But then when you combine it, it works together in a really cool way. So when you combine raw honey with royal jelly, it becomes a source of bifidobacteria, which is the best probiotic strain for digestion. And then propolis is full of flavonoids and polyphenols. So it's full of prebiotics. So when you eat bee bread or you eat bee powered, you're getting prebiotic, probiotic, multivitamin, live enzymes, immune boosting effects, immune stabilizing effects, brain boosting effects, skin boosting effects from the pollen. So it's like all of these things together. Um, And yeah, so it's really cool. So all the bee products are amazing, but synergistically some magic happens. Wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, I guess I could just eat this then, and not, it's literally the same thing. <laughs> not have to order it from across the planet unsustainably. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, bee bread. I had my moment. I think I got scared off though when I got sick from my wild yeah. harvested. I don't think I've ever bread. met anybody who's eaten from a colony collapse hive. So that's insane. And lived to tell the tale. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. I got Man. super, super sick. Yeah. It was not cool, yo. What like a- that shit is going all over our environment. Isn't that crazy? 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's like concentrated there, but it's like over time. But it's, you know, that's the great thing about being able to have a platform like this where yeah. I can have long form conversations totally. and I'm not beholden to any corporate interests or government regulations or any type of censorship. Although I'm, I see that coming in many ways on social media currently, but for now I can say whatever I want. You can say whatever you want. And then everyone that listens can get educated and, yeah. and they can make more discerning choices about not only the products they consume, but they can be like you and start their own company and make badass clean products that are mm-hmm. sustainable and support the environment and uh, the health of the people that use it. Another thing I wanted to ask you about honey, in addition to it just being fake, I know a lot of honey is marketed as like raw and unheated. Yeah. What's the deal with like all the cooked honey? Does that so, ruin it? Yeah. So the squeezy bear honey, the honey that stays liquid. This is interesting. So sometimes people have honey and they'll leave it in their pantry for like a year and then they'll email us and be like, it's crusty and hard. Is it bad? Like, no, it's crystallized. It will harden over time. And the crystallization period or the time it takes to harden, that will differ depending on when it was harvested, the plants it came from, um, all these different factors. But there's nothing wrong with that. If you don't like your honey when it's hardened, just drop it in a pot of boiling water, like full jar. Just let it sit for a minute. It'll soften. But when the honey doesn't harden ever, it's because it's been pasteurized. So it's because it's been boiled to such a high heat point that it stays liquid. And the problem with that is you're eating sugar. All of the amino acids and enzymes and amazing, amazing things that make honey such a healing digestive tonic and all of the immune supporting properties of honey, they're boiled out. So you do not want it. So you want to look for something that says raw or unpasteurized. And that's kind of the silver bullet. And one more thing too, bee powered and bee bread a bajillion times better than Manuka. Manuka's like, Manuka's good. It has... Oh, I wanted to ask you the different types yeah. of, of honey too and the flowers. So Manuka comes from the Manuka plant, similar plant to the Echinacea plant. Um, and the reason it's well known is because it has a higher antiviral capability. Now, we don't know that all honey in the world doesn't have that same thing. We just haven't done government tests. We haven't had a government-funded study. Um, a friend of mine at Guelph University was trying to get government funding for such a study because, I mean, we could create an amazing North American export, but couldn't get funding. Um, but New Zealand's smart, and they did. And Manuka's still great. All raw honey is great, but we don't know that it's so much better. But really save your money if you're using Manuka and you're looking for it for the antiviral effects. Propolis. Propol- like Even bees that pollinate Manuka plants, they still make propolis. Propolis So this is a good segue into what propolis is. Propolis is literally, so I mentioned honey is the carbs, pollen's the protein, propolis is the medicine. Propolis is literally the medicine medicine and the immune system of the hive. And while honey comes from floral nectars, propolis is collected from plant and tree resins. So think about like pine pollen and plant resins are a little more adaptogenic in nature. I take pine pollen a lot. I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. No, it's great. And so propolis, the raw material, it's coming from plant and tree resins, from sap and that sort of thing bring it back to the hive, combine it with their enzymatic process again, and then how it's used in the hive, it's used to line the entire hive and keep it germ-free. Um, they line the Whoa. inside, yeah, they line the inside of the cell walls with propolis to create a sterile environment for newborns. There's your bee bread too, you got some props wow. in there. Um, they have a propolis mat at the front entrance of the hive, so all of the bees can disinfect as they come in. That's and, so crazy. Okay, bees like, are so They're rad. so smart. This is my favorite thing. So let's say a predator gets into the hive like a mouse, which will happen. The bees can sting the mouse and kill it, but they can't physically carry a dead mouse out of the hive. And what would happen to us if we just had like a cadaver, like we just had a decaying body in our living room? We'd get really sick. 
Um, So what the bees do once they kill this mouse is they'll mummify it in propolis. And propolis is that powerful as a protective antibacterial, antimicrobial substance that it protects the entire hive from a decaying rodent in their living room. So it's like literally the ultimate protector. Yeah. And then for humans, propolis is antiviral, antifungal, antimicrobial, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. So it's literally like I use propolis topically. I was telling you for, for your dog, Cookie. Um, scrapes, cuts, bug bites, burns. Propolis is amazing. Oh, so it's even better than putting... Because sometimes I've annoyed many a girlfriend. They get a little cut. I'm like, ooh, let me put raw honey on it. Like, what are you doing? Oh, propolis no. is even better. Propolis okay, is like the concentrated. Okay. Sunburns, amazing. Oh, wow. Um, even but things... But I mean, you could... Does honey have healing Honey's properties on too. a cut and yeah, or there's, something? There's raw honey. Like there's trace amounts of propolis. Honey also has a, a lot of benefits. Propolis is just like, it's more medicinal. It's right. more intense. Right. Um, and where propolis, like we make the spray because it, it's really amazing for cold, flu, sore throat. Like the second you have a sore throat coming on, you feel that scratch, you feel inflammation, you spray some propolis and you can kind of get rid of it. And the nice thing too, is it's something you can use regularly. So I take propolis every day, amazing immune booster, but it's also got the anti-inflammatory effects. It's also really high in antioxidants. It actually has one of the highest antioxidant values according to the ORAC chart. Um, really great, I mentioned, for like post-oxidative stress. So if you're a person who works out a lot and when you're working out, it's amazing for you, but you do create some free radical damage. There was a study done looking at competitive cyclists and propolis actually does help to combat that. Wow. By the way, how on point is my memory? I didn't bring my notes and I was like, let's see how good my products are. <laughs> that That is pretty good, actually. I know before we recorded you guys, she's like, I don't know, I have some notes with some scientific you know, bullet points and stuff should I bring them? So if you want, she's like, oh, I'll just wing it. So good job. <laughs> well, I took my Felixer shot before. That's why. Yeah, I know. Me too. I was like, this will be a good test. Me too. I'm trying to open this propolis right now. But, You're very on point too, by the way. Um, Every <laughs> once in a while, I get lucky. Ooh, I thought I was going to need a knife. I'm, carry on. Keep talking. I'm, I'm going to be disinfecting my whole yeah. throat here. It's pretty, yeah, so, pretty tough. So I spray propolis every single day. I do, you know, three to five sprays a day. And... If I'm feeling run down, if I'm traveling, if it's cold and flu season or I haven't been sleeping, I just kind of double dose it. If I actually feel like something coming on, like a tingle in my throat or something, I keep propolis in my purse and I just spray it all day. And, you know, there's not really a risk of overdoing it. It's very low toxicity. It's plant-based. Um, it's enzymatic. So it does help with digestion. It's also really great for digestive issues. So things like colitis, even leaky gut, it helps if you think about what propolis is, it's the protective barrier in nature. So with the gut, it actually helps to strengthen the junctures in the gut to prevent leaky gut. Um, oh, it trippy. helps to reduce, yeah, it helps to reduce inflammation in the large and small intestine. It's derivative of that resin, mm-hmm. right? Oh, exactly. that's interesting. How cool. Yeah. So it's like a super healing substance. The nice thing too, I sometimes compare it to oil of oregano because it has the same sort of germ fighting ability. But unlike oil of oregano, it's a lot softer on your system. It's not going to totally throw off your gut. And then you're also going to get the anti-inflammatory effects, the really soothing effects. Um, so yeah, it's like I... When you do the the propolis in a spray, like I just did <laughs> right while we're talking, uh, does, I mean, does that amount get into your gut or would you want to take it like more internally in a capsule or drink a shot of it or something like that? So no, this that amounts, we do a 95% propolis spray. So it's really powerful. And like we test for bioavailability. Um, I looked at doing capsules and that sort of thing, but... It's, it's pretty high concentration. But what you want, especially like if you're dealing, it's antifungal as well. So if you're dealing with like candida or something, um, you can do like 10 sprays a day, no problem. I have friends who, I have one friend who 
had a whole candida challenge. She sprays it into her water. The nice thing too, it's keto oh. friendly. There's no sugar, even though it tastes sweet. Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's in all that's in there is propolis, non-GMO vegetable, glycerin, and purified water. Oh, I'm glad you used the. I just saw glycerin on the label, and I was like, ding, ding, ding. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, people don't. They're like. Oh, glycerin, that's natural. I'm like, oh God. It's I did an episode and the guy, he talked for about 45 minutes on like the conspiracy of the glycerin yeah. industry. It's a byproduct. It's total swag. So I'm glad yours is non-GMO. That's yeah. good. But you know, one thing I wonder about keto and I'm going to do a keto episode soon. I take a lot of sublingual like dropper supplements mm-hmm. and tinctures and things like that. Some are with alcohol, which I kind of like better because they absorb so mm-hmm. potently. But a lot of them have glycerin. I'm like... Am I not keto? Like, am I getting so much sugar from the glycerin? Like, does that vegetable glycerin have a glycemic, high glycemic index? Do you so happen to know? One so- of the guys on our team, and I can actually put you in touch with him directly if you want. He's amazing. He just um, started naturopathic school. He's like one of my day ones, if you're listening. I love you, Danny. Um, uh, he So he was like one of our day ones with the company. Like, literally, when I was standing at booths and stuff, he was there with me and he really. He always like dreamed of becoming a naturopath and he he's just starting naturopathic school now. And so he's he's still working with the company. And of course, like we're so supportive of that. And it's always been his dream. And after naturopathic school, he's going to join me um, and focus more on product formulation, which is awesome. Oh, neat. But he did his thesis on ketosis and our um, none of our products... Well, sorry, our propolis and our Belixir with the glycerin, they do not kick you out of ketosis. But oh, he would cool. be... I'll connect you with him because oh, he's just like the most intelligent person ever. Because I'm assuming if I do like a fat teaspoon of honey, that that's going to... Oh yeah, that's going to kick you out Right, sure. yeah. Because I do that at... I take your um, honey... What's this one called? The, the bee powered? Yeah. You take bee powered at night? I that do gives it, you energy. I do it right before I go to sleep. Maybe that's why my sleep's been jacked up. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, no. Switch to the CBD honey. Use the bee okay. chill. Okay. But what a lot of people do is they'll do um, the bee chill honey. So a lot of keto guys, like I don't... I don't I'm not a keto person, but a lot of our customer base is. And we have a lot of customers who follow the keto lifestyle and they use honey before bed. And there's a few reasons. One is because um, honey helps to stop glycogen stores. So it has a different glycemic index than sugar. It's lower. Uh, and then also it how it works, it works kind of with your body because it's natural. And so it's a slow, steady release. It doesn't create this like instant spike. So it helps to stock the glycogen stores in your liver and that can help you sleep through the night because often people will wake up in the middle of the night because their glycogen stores are depleted um, and that will disrupt their sleep-wake cycle. And then the other thing about honey, it it causes that slow, steady spike in insulin, which allows the tryptophan. It's like just the right amount that allows the tryptophan to cross the blood-brain barrier where it's converted into serotonin and, and then in the dark melatonin. So honey is a well-documented sleep aid. And then with the B-Chill, we have like 28 milligrams of CBD per teaspoon of that. So that's like the ultimate sleep one. And then you'll like this, our beach chill, it also has MCT oil in it and sunflower lecithin because your body is 60 to 70% water. Right. So to really absorb. Wow. So you have it emulsified basically. Mm-hmm. Wow. Exactly. Damn, you're smart. You know your shit. I gotta I'm say, like you've so covered you've covered all the bases. <laughs> that's that's very cool. But yeah, I've, I've always wondered like if, you know, how much honey it takes to come out of ketosis. But I find that if I, I'm like not like, I wouldn't consider myself like a keto expert or mm-hmm. even that knowledgeable about it, but it's just the way I naturally eat. So I just don't tend to eat carbs and sugar and stuff during the day. But at night, I definitely like do my wild blueberries, which have a lot of carbs, very, very little sugar, but I don't know the net carbs because there's a lot of fiber in them. I got to mm-hmm. do the math on that. But I definitely like 
Probably like two teaspoons of honey pretty much right before I go to bed every night. I'm in quite a habit of doing that. Yeah, I do that and too. You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it definitely seems to help my sleep. I didn't know yeah. the exact science on it. But yeah. Take either use like or... Like if I'm in ketosis all the time, I don't really sleep well. My adrenals get all hyper and it's just, it's a weird feeling at night. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's not the best. Like I've tried keto, not the best for me. My hormones kind of get screwed up. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so for you, I like before bed, don't do the bee powered because the pollen and the royal jelly will give you energy. Ah, uh, okay. Do just one of our regular honeys or bee chill, which with the CBD is really nice. But the bee powered, a lot of people who are keto do that one as well because it has the pollen, the royal jelly, the propolis. So it's more fibrous. So also the sugars aren't affecting you in the same way. And then a lot of people right. use that one actually as a pre-workout. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Good to know. I, I mean, I think that's the thing when you have a synergistic whole compound that comes from nature. So many people are like paranoid of sugar now. And it's sort of like, it's the difference between say you like you eat a Granny Smith apple. Sure, there's some sugar in there. But if you juice a Granny Smith apple and remove the fiber, now you have a sugar bomb, Yeah, right? Because it doesn't have the fiber to kind of slow down the Mm -hmm. metabolism of said sugars. And I think of honey as kind of the same way. I wouldn't want... That's why you want it raw. Yeah, I wouldn't want like the cooked version, which is like, killing the part of it that helps it assimilate in a way that is more in alignment with nature. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing too, Manuka versus Be Powered. Like in Be Powered, you're literally getting 532 milligrams of bee pollen per teaspoon. That's a lot of bee pollen. Like one teaspoon, it also contains 745 milligrams of royal jelly. So like if you go to Whole Foods or one of these stores and you buy royal jelly capsules, they're usually 60 to like 150 milligrams of royal jelly a cap. You're getting a hell of a lot of royal jelly and pollen and propolis in the bee powered, and then it's coming in its natural state. Um, so that's like a lot of fiber in there as well. So it's not the same as like just a honey, even right. a raw honey, which does have trace amounts of this stuff. You're getting it in actual medicinal concentrations, and that's what like bee powered. It, it's a medicinal honey. Like that's what we built it for. We built it one to replicate bee bread, two because I looked at manuka and I was like, okay, why are people spending ninety dollars? On honey, which Dude, is great, it's, it's but like you can do expensive. better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you can achieve better results and, you know, get more out of it with a different formula. What is royal jelly? Mm-hmm. So royal jelly is the superfood of the hive. So just the recap, because we've talked about so much cool stuff. Honey is the carbs, the energy source, pollen protein, propolis medicine, and royal jelly is the superfood. So royal jelly, it literally is the superfood of the hive. So all baby bees, the first three days of development, they're fed royal jelly. And then after three days, they're transitioned off onto a diet of honey and pollen. And only the, the bee who's meant to become the queen continues eating royal jelly. And royal Ooh. jelly, yeah, it's the exclusive food of the queen bee. And if you what? look at the effects of royal jelly in nature, really interesting. Because so queen bee, exclusive royal jelly diet, lives three to five years. A regular worker bee during foraging season, not excluding when they're like hibernating, lives six to eight weeks. The queen bee will lay up to 1,500 babies a day. Regular bees, regular worker bees don't have reproductive organs. The queen bee looks different. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture, but much like larger, robust, like the queen looks different. So in nature, royal jelly is making this like superpower. Bionic bee. Yeah, bionic bee. I like that. So if that's what the little baby bees are eating for that period of time, then the royal jelly is like the colostrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of the beehive. Yeah. Wow. And then for humans, it's full of fatty acids, uh, vitamins, antioxidants, 
And then, so anecdotally, royal jelly has been used, I mentioned, for fertility, for hormonal stabilization, um, as as a longevity tonic. It's an immunomodulatory agent. But in Western medicine, they're actually doing a lot of research on royal jelly's effects on the brain. And that's what we're really interested in. Oh, and that's, that's why you guys make the b Yeah, shots. those are our brain fuel shots. And that's a product those are actually. Bomb. You guys sent yeah. me a, a <laughs> box of those. I I went through them in like three days. I was like, great. <laughs> I go through shit so fast though. Cause I'm like, if I take one and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I go, yeah. It's probably even better if you take five and then like the whole box is gone in one podcast recording. I'm the same way. You can do the nice thing too. It's an adaptogenic formula and adaptogens build up in your system. So just to be cost effective here, if you start doing Belixir and you're doing like a vial a day for a little bit, after you've had it and like you're feeling good, cut it down to half a vial. Like you can drink half the vial, drink half the vial, put the cap on, leave it on your counter, have the rest the next day. Like for me... If I'm, I mean, some days I have like three shots, but generally speaking, I do half a vial a day. And then like you saw before the podcast, I took one. If I'm doing something where I want to be kind of more switched on, I'll do the yeah. full vial. And in there, you've also got um, ginkgo biloba. Mm-hmm. And, and bacopa, yeah. Oh, cool. So this, this product, so the propolis is my favorite product because it's just, that was one, my introduction to all this stuff. And two, it honestly has just radically changed my health. Like I, I changed my entire immune system using propolis and I take it every day. And it's just, oh, this is really interesting thing. Um, my COO and I, we, our friends got married in Mexico and literally everyone got food poisoning except for him and I. No And way. we were taking propolis. And I like, I remember looking That's at him and I was so like, dope. dude, you got your propolis? And he's like, yeah, you. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, we're the only ones not super sick. That's incredible. So like the, and it makes sense. It's antiviral, antibacterial. Right. So yeah, Provolis has like really changed me for that reason. So it's really special and personal, but then Belixir also a really personal story there. So Daniel, who there's two Daniels at the company, Daniel, who's our COO. He is, he's like my brother where we've been best friends for a really long time. Um, and he actually was like the first person to join me and also made a big switch. He used to be an M&A lawyer and now he's a beekeeper. Um, But he played hockey in college and he had a lot of concussions. And a few years ago, he got knocked unconscious skiing. It was a really serious concussion. He was out of work for several months and I kind of freaked out because I was like, this is my my best friend. Their brain is hurt. Um, So I just went down the rabbit hole and put together this natural formula him and I looked across cultures at the most healing brain compounds and you know I was like trolling PubMed really hard looking for you know science-backed things because that's how I build things um, I believe in things that aren't science-backed but I build things that are science-backed because I think that people want to see that and until everything catches up that's how we do it tagline is naturally sourced obsessively tested which is like my oh, essence cool. Cool. Um, but yeah so I put together this formula and it's royal jelly bacopa monieri and ginkgo biloba and Daniel started taking this every day. And because of his concussion history and because he was playing, you know, like when you have, when you're college age and you have concussions that are sports related, you're seeing like the top NHL doctors, people are freaking out. Um, so he had all of his baseline testing done and it was, he started with his formula. It was his worst concussion and his best recovery. And after I saw that happen, I was like, okay, what happens if a normal brain takes it? What happens if somebody who's like coming off ADD pills takes it. What? And so I just started testing it a little bit in my peer group with my family on myself and everyone was having a really incredible response. And that was sort of the basis for this product. So it's, I'm really, I really love our Belixir shots. 
Um, but yeah, so that's like why we make them. But what's in them, so royal jelly, superfood of the hive. And so for humans, for the brain, how it works is royal jelly is really high in acetylcholine, which is the neurotransmitter. Oh, no way. Oh yeah, it's really crazy high in it. Crazy that you have a full-on nootropic there then. Yeah, that is, it's like that's a crazy. plant-based caffeine-free nootropic. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so really high in acetylcholine. Um, there's actually, there was a study that came out of University of Warsaw and it found that regular consumption of royal jelly actually increases your spatial reasoning, which is super cool. So there's that. But so you can parallel park better? <laughs> probably, yeah. I mean, I, I lift, but yeah. That's funny. <laughs> but um, the other really cool thing about royal jelly, and this is, I'm actually really obsessed with this because this is not naturally occurring anywhere else. It contains these uh, fatty acids one is called AMP-N1 oxide and the other one's called 10-HDA. And these fatty acids actually promote brain-derived nootropic factor and they literally prompt neurogenesis. So wow. yeah, so they help the proliferate. So if you're concussed, it helps your brain to carry out its natural process of creating fresh, new, clean neurons. And if you're not concussed and just a normal person, you're supporting your brain's executive functions um, and its ability to do what it does naturally. Um, but increase that. And, you know, even if you're not concussed, you know this, but just for everyone to hear, like with stress, with pollution, there are so many things that are damaging our brain and we're so quick to take our green juice and our probiotics, which by the way, are so important. But what about our most vital organ? Like we don't spend enough time thinking about that. Um, but we're stressed all the time and that's really, really damaging. So 10-HDA and AMPM, AMP and one oxide are kind of silver bullets. And the fact that they're really only found in royal jelly is super cool. That's crazy. I had no idea of that. Mm -hmm. So so I'm like, I swear, doing this show, I'm like a little kid. I, I think maybe that's why people like it because I'm so obsessed yeah. with like, I, you know, it's great. Like, cool. You have this B product company. That's fine. Whatever. We'll talk about it. But I literally am obsessed with like learning this stuff. I'm like, what is Royal Jelly? Where does it come from? What does it do? So this is really incredible information. Awesome. And so with the with propolis and Royal Jelly, I think why I haven't had a ton of experience taking those products and mostly more the pollen and then high quality honeys is that they're super expensive. Yeah. I mean, you go in the health food store and you're like, oh, cool. I heard Royal Jelly is good for you. And it's like a tiny ass little jar, like one of those little lip balm, tiny brown mm -hmm. jars. And it's like $57. Yeah. It's like, dude. It's really expensive. Is it, you know, I'm assuming it's because it's a rarity in the sense that the bees aren't producing as much of those compounds. What? So propolis, the they deal? actually produce a ton of, like tons, but most people don't know how to harvest propolis. So one thing to remember is honeybees are not native to, to North America. We have a lot of different bee species that are, but honeybees specifically are not. They were brought over and oh. they were brought over primarily for things like pollination and honey. Um, and it sort of became lost on us how to harvest things like propolis and royal jelly. And so a lot of the beekeepers we work with, I've actually gone in, um, not all of them, but like some of them, I've gone in and taught them how to harvest these things. So you know how to do this stuff. You put on your beekeeper suit and you can go in there and rock the hive and yeah. Get the I mean, stuff. I don't get to as now so much, but right. yeah, in the early days, a hundred percent. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, and I love it. Like I, I beekeep for passion and fun, and it's like my unwind time. And um, so, so you found the old world ways to extract the the yeah. propolis and stuff yeah. like that. So propolis, there's so how we do it. Um, and I like to share this stuff. I'm always like, oh, should I be saying this stuff? But no, I should because I think more people doing things in a positive way helps everyone. And 
I'm really confident in our products and the quality and the way we make them. So empower everyone else. So to have make at it, you, you hackers that want to <laughs> find the right way to monetize Propolis. <laughs> but yeah, so Propolis, it's, the, the hive is lined with it. So a lot of the times people would scrape it off the hive and that's not damaging per se, but it's a little invasive. So what we do is we take a mesh. So if there's, if there's holes in the hive, the bees will fill it up with Propolis because it's the protective substance. So we were like, okay, if you put a mesh sheet at the top of the hive with all these holes, they'll probably fill up the holes. And that's what they do. So we put the mesh sheet at the top, they fill it up, take it out, freeze it, pop it out. Um, we do an alcohol extraction first. And then we do, um, we evaporate the alcohol out. And by the way, we have like a three-week extraction process. So if we're ever sold out, sorry, but also not sorry, because that's why it's so fucking potent. And we do things a slow way. Oh, and we make so you're actually, right. you're extract, you're not only taking the propolis out of the hive, but then Super you're extracting and concentrating mm-hmm. the medicinal properties yeah. of... Yeah, wow, we, I want to. Cool. I want to make things that are a true yeah. medical alternative. Like, see, I knew I was going to enjoy interviewing you because I like people <laughs> that are freaking hardcore. If somebody, anything I take or anything I promote or interview people about, like, it has to be the best in class or at least one of the. You know, sometimes there isn't a best. There's yeah. three best or something. But I like people that do shit that go the extra mile and do it totally hardcore, and that's just totally like the most badass possible way to do it. Yeah, no, that's we're incredible. very intense about it. So, so a lot of the the cost of uh, the propolis a lot of it and royal is jelly people is not just... knowing how royal jelly is even more nuanced. You have to, so you can do royal jelly in a way that's really damaging because you are you have to remember, you know, taking food with all of these products. You have to remember it's the food of the bees. So we're constantly monitoring our hives, and the bees absolutely make a surplus of it, especially when they're happy and healthy. But you know, if our hive is looking a little bit weak, we won't harvest from those hives, and that's why we have the structure we do. We work with a really broad network of small-scale beekeepers all over the world. So we can, you know, get bees in different climates, expose our product line to different types of foliage to get like the most nutritious blend, but also just to safeguard the bees and make sure that, you know, if someone's not looking so good, we'll hang back. And luckily we actually haven't had that problem, which is a testament to how easy it is to keep bees when you're doing it right. But our hive growth, like our hive growth is insane. It's so cool. We have like a certain, like one of our lead beekeepers, Dimitri, we started working with him he was like a hobbyist beekeeper, not big into it. He literally found us because my our COO did business school at Queens and his wife works at Queens and just read about like Queens alum and what they were doing. Um, but yeah, so he was just like hobbyist beekeeper. Now he has like a boss operation and it's like with us. So it's cool because we can grow together with people who want to do things the right way. And it's awesome to be able to like lift each other up and do things like that. But anyways, a little tangent. Um with Royal Jelly, it's even more nuanced. So, you know, you really want to work with experienced beekeepers. There's a lot of people who they extract too much or they'll... I know in China, sometimes I've seen people... And not to say... I've, I've actually... I actually recently met an incredible beekeeper out of China who's in a rural part who's doing things right. So not to like say that everything coming from China is bad because I really don't believe it is. I just think it's for the most part less regulated. Um, but there are people doing things the right way there too, like everywhere. Um, so sometimes in the bad places, what they'll do is they'll kill the queen and take all the royal jelly and just be like, whatever, the bees will make a new queen. So the, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 that's like bad. So what we do oh. is we use a queen excluder. We basically send her upstairs. And so the bees start, they think for a moment like, oh, the queen's gone. We need to make more royal jelly to create a new queen. And then we let her come back downstairs. And then it's like, oh, we have this extra royal jelly. And I'm like, no hey, way. Yeah. 
That's funny. That's like when you're when you're growing cannabis and you play with the light cycles and you like trick the plant into exactly. thinking it's fall or summer or whatever they do to make giant buds. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Damn, that's cool stuff. Yeah. So royal jelly is like the coolest. It's also really great topically. A lot of people do face masks with our bee powered. I mean, all bee products are amazing topically. Like I mentioned Cleopatra. She did honey masks and propolis masks. Propolis is I can't say this enough because I burn myself all the time, one, surfing, and two, because I'm just like an idiot in the kitchen. And propolis <laughs> is my saving grace. Even I rock climb a lot. And what I do is I keep propolis because I like, I'll sometimes like just slam into the wall and like cut my face open. <laughs> do stuff. I know it's really bad. Um, now I'm only top roping because I'm obviously can't be trusted. But I keep propolis in my harness because if I have like an open cut, or a burn or just any sort of inflammatory thing, I'll spray it on my skin. But a lot of like I do um, face masks with our Be Powered once a week. So Royal Jelly is really good for the skin. So are all of these. Um, do you happen to know uh, my friend Andy Nilo? No. From Alatura Naturals. Oh my God. Yeah, I do know Andy. Yeah, yeah, he uses propolis too yeah. on his skin and royal jelly. Yeah, I've spoken. I wonder where he's getting it. I wonder if you guys could supply him or something. Just I'm he, thinking of just two great entrepreneurs, you and he. Maybe, uh, maybe there's some collaboration there because he's i mean you talk about guys that are uh guys and gals that are obsessed yeah he's about awesome. like quality control i mean i use i've been using his you know face lotions and beauty products and stuff he has a clay mask but anyway andy nilo i'll i get it confused with the sheets that i have that sponsor my show ala alatura ali turner that's andy right God damn yeah it. But I spoke to Andy when he was early on about sourcing and like... We always, oh, okay. Yeah, so you guys he, have had a conversation oh, yeah, about yeah. it. yeah, yeah. He's great. And like, I love his products and he loves ours and we always yeah. do trades and that cool, sort of thing. Cool, cool. Yeah, because awesome. I know he's like one of the guys that is freaking... I mean, probably to a fault, obsessive about each ingredient in each one of his products. Yeah. I mean, his stuff is super high quality and mm-hmm. I know he uses bee products in his mm-hmm. face masks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Radless. I really like his products and yeah, he uses them. Yeah, I do them. too. He's been on the show too. It's been a while. I got to have him back on one of these yeah, days. Yeah, good All right, so... I should mention though, I feel like you asked me about Bacopa and I kind of oh, okay. was like yeah, so stoked about Royal Jelly. Yeah. So in the Belixir shots, it's the Royal Jelly. The next ingredient is Bacopa Monnieri. And so that's, an, an, it's an extract from a leaf. It's an extract from a leaf traditionally used in Ayurvedic medicine. Um, it's an adaptogen. So it helps to modulate the stress response. And then it also helps with um, memory. And one of the things that Bacopa does, it helps to, if you're exposed to neurotoxins, it reduces acetylcholine levels. And so Bacopa actually protects your brain if you're exposed to neurotoxins and protects your acetylcholine levels. So we have a lot of people who have mold toxicity um, or have, who have been exposed to chemicals or sort of work in those trades where they are who use Belixir. So I mm-hmm. needed some of that Belixir with Bacopa when I ate that tainted rice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that bee, the bee bread that I found. Uh, So I take my, like even on days, that's why I I do half a vial every day. I believe in cycling anything. So I'll usually do like weekends off of any supplements I'm taking. Yeah. Um, I've attempted that too. And then I make it till about 8.30 a.m. Saturday morning. I'm I'm the same. I'm like, I want them. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm the same. But I take it even on days when I'm like, maybe don't need to be as mentally active. Because I'm like, okay, well, what am I exposing myself to? Anything from like secondhand smoke to traffic, pollution, all of that stuff. It's really great to be introducing something on a regular basis that's a neuroprotective agent. And then the third ingredient, ginkgo, which is really big in traditional Chinese medicine world and people are a lot more familiar with. It's really great for promoting oxygenation and circulation in the brain. 
um, also has stress modulating effects. So there was a study done and it found that at six weeks, 120 milligrams regularly of ginkgo biloba helped people score better on all parameters for state anxiety tests. And our formula has like 400 milligrams. So yeah, that's the other thing. Like if you look at our formulas, we're dealing in the three to 500 milligrams per active ingredient. Um, And we do that because really the last thing I want is for somebody to try one of my products and be like, okay, is it working? What's happening? So we try to build really high potency stuff and educate our consumer base and supply to a highly educated consumer base who understands that I need this full dose or like a half dose works for me based on my weight, height, metabolism, how I eat. Um, But yeah, we're all about building high potency formulas. And then one other kind of life hack for the Belixir shots, if you take it with a little bit of fat, it is rocket fuel. Oh, Bacopa is fat soluble. Oh, so you could add it to a little uh, MCT oil or Mm -hmm. something like that. Hmm, Interesting. Even just taking it with like omegas or... Yeah, right. something like that. But I make like a crazy tonic and I pour it in. Um, if you are adding oh, that's it to a good drinks, idea. Yeah, don't yeah. do it with boiling. Like wait until I'll do like a splash of Got nut it. milk or, you know, once it's drinkable, but I, right. I just won't put it in when it's like boil, boil. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to toast all the goodies in there. Yeah, not the with, royal jelly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. And one one last question I had was um because i just it's like i also don't sometimes you know these things get long these days we're at an hour 45 minutes i finally just stopped trying to make my podcast an hour because it's just impossible (laughs) i'm too passionate about the topics and i also don't want to have to do five shows on b products in the next year yeah like i just want to do one with the b master you clearly are a b master (laughs) and just like cool now i've done a show on that i've done a show on vaccines i've done a show on you know whatever um so i gotta ask because it's on my list. What about this bee sting therapy? Do you know oh anything about this? It's where, the coolest. Where people like intentionally yeah, freaking sting themselves? You did, I did a course what's on it. Yeah. Deal with that. Okay. So bee venom. I mean, I've tried some weird shit. To me, I'm like, y'all are freaking crazy. No, I'm no, not no, stinging Luke, myself you're with gonna the bees. Love, you're going to love this. Like, it's so cool. Okay. So bee venom. There's actually, there's a guy, he's opening an AP therapy clinic in Romania and he's focused on. Um, muscular disorders and multiple sclerosis and the ability to cure it with bee sting therapy. So all of the, this is why also I'm like, when people think propolis is honey or it's like a honey spray, no, the bees are so cool. And every single different thing that they make, every part of them is a different substance. It's the same reason why you meet sometimes people who are allergic to bee stings, but they can take propolis and honey, no problem. And that's not everyone. By the way, be careful with allergies, pollen as well. Big one, be careful with, especially because ours is raw and really potent. And also with pollen, I'm going to answer your question, I promise. But with okay. pollen, I see sometimes people are like dumping it on their smoothie bowls. And so with other pollen that's, you know, maybe not as potent as ours, sure. But with ours, teaspoon's good. Like, like you don't need, I mean, you can eat a lot. Don't worry. Like you're fine. I just ate half the time. <laughs> I do that too. During the interview, I, I ate half the jar. It's hella addictive. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's, good, right? that's, I mean, I, I macro dose stuff, I'm sure past the point of, critical mass or, you know, law of diminishing returns. Like, dude, you don't have to take 20 of whatever, which I do just because I'm such an addictive type person. But um, sometimes it just, if stuff tastes really good, I just yeah. compulsively keep munching on it, which I've been doing. It's with this also, freaking pollen's pollen. really nice. If you're nutrient deficient in anything, it's so high in vitamins and they're so bioavailable. That sometimes like I find if I'm depleted, I crave pollen. Um, but generally speaking, with the Beekeepers Naturals line, 
just for listeners and stuff, don't feel like you need to be using crazy amounts of this. Like it's more potent. So you can probably get away with less. And the other thing too is like we're trying to really disrupt your habits with the bad shit you're taking and give you swaps. Like don't eat Nutella, eat our cacao honey. You know, drop like this the shitty vitamins you're taking if you're struggling with absorption and take bee pollen instead. Lose the antibiotics and NyQuil and like go to town with propolis. Um, so we try to make things like really accessible and potent. And also we try to make keep the price point really accessible because like that's my dream with this is to create some create things that are true alternatives and you know looking at like my struggle give people tools to bypass that and make it available to mass market and that sort of thing so so yeah so like with the bee pollen a lot of people are allergic to bee pollen ours is way more potent than most bee pollen so for everyone out there who's like trying to microdose with the allergen which is you know that does not work for everyone i know that a lot of there's a lot of like resources out there that promote using bee pollen for allergies. That's not good for everyone. For some people, it's great. For some, it's not. For me, for allergies, propolis is way better. They've actually found that um, ethanol and water extracts of propolis inhibit mast cell production and mast cells are the precursors to histamine. So I always recommend propolis first for allergies anyways. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but just Hmm. like all this stuff is, is really potent. So try a half dose, like see how you're feeling, that sort of thing. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. I always trip out on histamines because sometimes I you know, have like this kind of runny nose and like I'm congested and I go, I didn't eat gluten. I'm like, what is this? No, maybe it's just environmental stuff. So yeah, it definitely. I'm always be. interested in stopping that because yeah. it's irritating. But bee sting therapy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Super anti-inflammatory. They're looking at it for muscular disorders. This clinic in Romania, they're doing like IV propolis, all kinds of cool stuff. Wow. It's really cool. So I did a course on bee sting therapy it was like, it wasn't like a full course. It was like a weekend thing just as an intro because I was curious about it. Um, and it contains, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's something called melton or, or metin or something. And this compound is like super anti-inflammatory. They're looking at it as like an anti-cancer agent, stuff like that. So a lot of really cool applications there. And we're sort of in our infancy with all that stuff. Wow. And like when, I, they, when they do the bee sting therapy, I mean, are they like holding a little bee with some hemostats and going like, like putting the stinger in you? They, or they, or they extract they... it from the stinger. So oh, okay. this is the other thing. When a bee stings you, they die. Oh. But, so this is also just a really cute bee fact. So bees are, bees are truly our friends. Like they are not meant to harm humans. They pollinate our earth and they can sting other, they have a barbed stinger. So they can sting other creatures and survive. But when they sting human skin, their stinger gets trapped in our skin because they're actually not meant to sting us. And it, it rips out their abdomen and they die. What? So what I did in my course when I was stinging people, and like, this is like a weekend course with a bunch of beekeepers. So, you know, if you actually go to get bee sting therapy, they'll have needles and it will be like it properly extracted. But we were put, I was putting mesh over people and holding the bees. I know how to hold like a bee by its wings to not damage. Um, and they were stinging through the mesh and then their stinger didn't get ripped out. Oh, no way. That's mm-hmm. crazy. How yeah. weird. Nature is so freaking weird. Like, why did the God design the bees to not, you know, to not be, want to sting us and to die when they sting us? And then, but they can go like rock a deer, sting a deer in the freaking ear or eye and just float along and make some propolis. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's love. It's lovely. It's so fun. <laughs> so fun. Okay, so bee sting therapy. We're that's, so very new, but yeah. I'm excited about it. I mean, it's been fringe for a long time. Yeah. I've heard about it for a long time, but it's just 
weirdly enough, not one of those fringe things that I've tried yet, but mm. I'm like, hmm, I'm curious. I just hate getting stung by bees. It's like, a nar- I'm kind of afraid of bees. I, I'm the guy that runs when the bee comes around. I was yeah. like, dude, it won't sting you. Just don't bother it. Like, I can't trust that. You know what it is when I was a little kid, and we'll, we'll close with this anecdotal story about a, a um, relative of bees. I think mm-hmm. they're called hornets or yellow jackets yep. or something. Cousin. Cousin. Like the okay. cousin. Right? Because they, they can sting and sting you and, and survive. They're such dicks. And like they, they do actually attack terrorize you. the bees too. Oh, they do? Yeah. Well, bad. F them. I know. <laughs> so I'm four or five years old. My mom just recounted this story for me. She was taking a nap. And uh, I'm in Aspen, Colorado. It's the summer. And I just loved effing with stuff when I was a little kid. You know, I'm just like, I would just always kick over ant piles and I just like bugging bugs. So there's this wasp nest out in the yard and it's like a, I see it and what I see is a pinata. I'm like, this is a freaking party. (laughs) So I get a big stick and I'm like, kaboom. And I fully pinata this wasp nest. Not surprisingly, get completely attacked and swarmed and just covered in uh, wasp or hornets, yellow jackets, whatever they were. And stings, you know, everyone panics. My mom comes out and applies some folk medicine intuitively. And she just, funny, just two weeks ago, she told me this story. And she just didn't know what to do. Like, do we go to the hospital or what? And um, her uh, boyfriend had just planted a garden. And so there's all this rich soil and mud. Mm-hmm. And she just threw me in the freaking garden and buried me in the mud, basically. And and next thing you know, I was, you know, half an hour later walking out of there, do, 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 it was fine. Wow. But from that early memory, I mean, I have, I'm kind of traumatized from being stung. Yeah, that's scary. And I've been stung, you know, not many times, but a couple other times in life. And I really freak out. So it's like one of those little mild PTSD moments that mm-hmm. I need to overcome. But this has been very helpful in me making friends with the bee population, using their products, knowing that maybe I don't have to be as afraid. And at least if one of these little bastards stings me, I know that they die. Yeah, they die. And it's like, cool, you just gave me some super medicine. So thank right, you. Right. All right. Cool. So um, you've taught me a ton today, Carly. Who have been three teachers or teachings um, in your life and your work that you might recommend our listeners go check out? Oh, so many. Um, I mean, I'm just such a big podcast person. So I really do love your podcast. And I'm oh, not like, thank you. I appreciate just that. that. I told you our, our team was really hyped about me being on this because we really love so your show. That's funny. That's funny, but um, I love it. That's but great. Yeah. So really, really love what you do. Yeah. I learn a lot from podcasts. I listened to Found My Fitness, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She has incredible health she's information. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's a big one. And I listen a lot to um, the Stanford Entrepreneurial Thought Leaders podcast. If you're looking to start a business, really great resources there. But a lot of my learnings, it's just from meeting people. Like I love hearing about different people's experience. And so I would just encourage everybody to look at someone next to them and like really hear their story. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. All right. And what about uh, social media, websites, things like that? Where can people go to learn more about you and your company and all that stuff? Check us out. Beekeepers underscore naturals is the Instagram. And our Instagram is so cool. Tons of bee facts, facts on the cause, facts on the products. We're always like giving away really cool stuff. Um, so check us out there. And then our website is beekeepersnaturals.com. We have a really active blog where we're always just talking about this stuff. So if you liked it, please go check us out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing me some tasty products. I'll see if I can take weekends off so I don't crush them too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that self. Uh, but seriously, (laughs) thank you. I learned so much. It's really great to see you again. And thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. There you go, homeboys and homegirls. I told you we're going to break it down, get you buzzing on the bee products here. 
Loved this interview with Carly. I'm definitely going to have to go back and listen to this one myself because there was a lot of information in there that I did not know. As I said in the intro, I thought I was pretty up to speed on the old B situation, but uh, way bigger topic than I anticipated. So it was fun to be able to share that with you. Again, I'm going to remind you, you can always listen to this show on Spotify. I think that's a great way to listen to podcasts. I've been poking through there a little bit and... uh, I want to remind you, this show is available on Spotify. Now, I mostly use Spotify to listen to music, but lately I've been getting in there and getting down with some podcasts. The player I find in Spotify is top-notch because it's really easy to scroll through all the episodes. So you can go back to like episode one from 2016 in the Lifestylist podcast, and it's much easier to find old episodes on Spotify than it is like scrolling all the way through the podcast app. So check it out on Spotify. And don't forget to share uh, this episode and any any episodes that you dig with a couple friends. You know how it goes. I'm, I'm creeping up on my 2 million download mark here. And uh, really, only you can make that possible. You know, I don't advertise the show. So uh, the only way it really spreads throughout the pod sphere is from people like you going, you know what? This was dope. This will help someone. I know a friend that can't take antibiotics. I know a friend that likes to use sweeteners that are natural. I know a friend that eats a lot of honey and they think it's organic, but it's probably full of Roundup aka glyphosate, I'm going to text this episode to them and save their life. Do it. Next up, follow me on Instagram. As I said in the intro, I like to repeat the stuff in the outro, by the way, because, you know, I know some of you cheaters probably fast forward through this laborious process known as the intro to the show. But uh, seriously, if you follow me on Instagram, it's at Luke Story. And if you get down over there, there's a lot of very exclusive content, especially in the stories and the Instagram lives, like the feeds, the feed, whatever. I post a cool picture of something that's great couple of likes. Nice. But what I really like to do is (laughs) obsessively take my phone everywhere and just video any life hacks, biohacks, any meditations, breath work. I just went to the Wim Hof Hof training the other day and I was like live streaming all day, everyone in the ice baths. And I put some pretty cool stuff on there. So if you like the things that I cover on the show, you're definitely going to enjoy following me on Instagram. So that's at Luke's story. Now, it's come time to thank our sponsors. And this is really one of the most important parts of the show here because I'm just going to be straight up. Without our sponsors, without you guys supporting our sponsors, this show would not exist. I would have to go, I don't know, find a second job or do something, but I definitely wouldn't be able to devote the time, energy, money, and hours that I devote to this show if we didn't have some brands throwing in some cash to keep this thing going. Um, the higher the production value gets, the bigger guests I get, the more I travel, the better equipment I have, um, better graphic design, show notes, all of the stuff um, that goes into running a podcast. Um, it adds up. And so these brands make it possible. Let's talk about Alatura Naturals. You can go to alaturanaturals.com. And if you use the audience code lifestylist, you'll save 20% and you'll get free shipping. Now, Alatura Naturals is what I use on my face. That's my primary um, well, I was about to call it beauty cream. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Skincare products. There you go. And this is my buddy, Andy Nilo's company. And Andy's an old school guest on the show too. I got. I have to look up his, his episode. It was back, I think like in the first 10 shows or something. And Andy's just a great guy. I mean, we've been buddies for a couple of years. And it, you know, if you listen to the show, you know how obsessed I am about like the quality of ingredients, the quality of supplements, all the stuff that I use, that I take, that I recommend. Andy is like next level psycho. I mean, honestly, when I first met him and he told me the ingredient deck of his products, um, his um, skincare products and stuff, I was like, dude, you could do it way cheaper and they would still be pretty damn good. And he's like, nope, 
you know, he uses the Myron glass to protect everything inside so he doesn't have to use any um, preservatives. I mean, he's just next level. And um, I think he makes some of the best, truly natural, very hardcore skincare products in the world. So that's Alatura Naturals. And uh, use the code LIFESTYLIST. That's one word. And you'll save 20% and get free shipping. Next, we've got Cured Nutrition. And this is a great CBD company. In fact, I've got some of their herbs. Listen to this. That sound is the jar of some of their herbs because um, I'm going to cut some more plugs for them. And I like to have the products in front of me because when they're in the other room, I'm like, wait, what's my favorite thing? So sometimes when I do these ads, I actually like set the stuff on my desk. So I've been, um, you might hear my voice. I've had a little bit of a... a sinus issue going. I don't even like to label it, but let's just admit it. I have a goddamn cold. Even I too, every once in a while get hit. So I've been using their uh, roasted garlic and lemon pepper um, spices. And so they have all these different spices like cinnamon and honey, peanut butter and chocolate, and they're infused with CBD. And so I put that in my bone broth because all I've been eating, been fasting to get rid of this freaking cold. And uh, so that makes my regularly plain and gross bone broth taste awesome. And I like their CBD too, because it's 100% natural. It's grown outdoors in Colorado. They do it super legit. So if you're looking for various CBD products, Cured Nutrition is your go-to. You can go to curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. That's curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. And of course, if you use the code lifestylist, you'll get 10% off. So save 10% off using the code LIFESTYLIST at this URL, curednutrition.com forward slash the lifestylist. All right, finally, we've got Juve. I've got my Juve sitting right here in my office. Uh, it's a little late to use it now. It gets me kind of hyper if I use it late at night. Some people it doesn't. For me, it does. I get like all energized and then and it, and it messes up my sleep if I do it too late. But otherwise, I would like stop recording right now, go jump on that thing. But the Juve make um, various photobiomodulation devices, aka red light therapy devices, and they're freaking amazing. I've been using this for, I want to say like uh, probably about a year now. And I did a show with those guys too, where we talked all about it. So you can go back and look for that episode. Um, Again, I don't have the number in front of me because I'm being an unprofessional host. But uh, anyway, when I cut their promos, I'll make sure to put the episode number in there. And uh, if you go to juve.com, that's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke and enter the code Luke at checkout, they're going to send you a little free gift. So go to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke to get down with some red light therapy. Boost those hormones, uh, get rid of your wrinkles, help your hair from falling out if you're a dude. Uh, boost your testosterone, balance your hormones, fuel your mitochondria. Red light therapy is super legit. All right, so that's all I've got for you today. I'm going to let you go. You're going to let me go. I'm going to go nurse this cold and um, (laughs) pretend like it never happened. Come back on Tuesday with Dr. Darshan Shah, where we talk about the next level of biohacking. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.